From the age of eight, brother. From the age of eight, old bodies. From a dead man. Greetings. is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control and this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, NERVTAG, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public, um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary infe infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. I to say, as I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Right, cabal camera, do it, do it, do it. Right, uh, welcome everyone, and a uh, slight change to what I have planned, but uh, this will be better. Um, the awesome Iggy Sems, I can get him in, and uh, Commander Rixie. Now we're gonna, gonna have to just address uh, the Pandastan <laughs> shit deer analysis network, um, and I, I don't know what seems like a very sort of coordinated push, and I guess they're going my own. Oh, there's there's Iggy. Hey, hey dude, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, yourself. Yeah, uh, hanging in there. Um, Charles. Uh, yeah, he's still putting his makeup on. So, um, he'll be here in a second. So, just to fill people in, um. I, I've I've been I've been speaking with Iggy for the last couple of hours. We um, and Iggy basically has been interacting with Nick Hudson and Panda, and oh, there's Charles. Hang on, and um, I I think there's just some important points that need addressing. Um, I think. Hey, Charles, how are you doing, bro? Can you hear us? Um, so I think there's some important points that need addressing, um, particularly as myself and Charles have gone into depth about gain of function, what it is, why it exists, how it can exist. And 
you you had some interesting takes on Nick as well, which I think deserves sort of more um, public dispersion. Um, and so how, I, I think let's just start with Iggy and what what's been your recent interactions with Nick and Panda for the crowd? Well, I was aware of sort of Nick's initial um, questioning of COVID right at the beginning of the sort of narrative when sort of Panda came on the scene. Um, but over the t over time, I haven't paid close attention to all their output. And in recent times, I'm not, I, I really don't follow the minutiae of the COVID discussions anymore because I don't need to. And, um, and, and, you know, degrees of navel gazing, I've, I've lost interest in the degrees of navel gazing that go on across various, you know, podcasts and, and whatever else. But because I've been using Twitter recently to, to test out some theories I have about what Twitter is nowadays, um, you know, Nick's, Nick comes up in, from time to time in my feed because of who I am connected to and follow and so on. And it was this recent post that he put up a day or two ago that said, anyone believing in gain-of-function efficacy is in the same ballpark or directly comparable to these 10 or 15 statements. Then I looked at it and I just thought, okay, gain-of-function gain of efficacy is a very specific term, but actually you need to unpack that to make sure you understand what he means. And the second thing is that the list of things that he tried to provide, provide as, as parallels were all false. I mean, there was yeah, no. Should, should I just? I've got them in front of me, so to interrupt, but, should mm -hmm. I, but maybe I should just read them out. Yeah, please do. Yeah, definitely. Right. So this this is the post from Nick Hudson. So the hubristic error committed by those who believe in gain of function efficacy, the notion that mad scientists can manipulate genomes to achieve global pathogenic ends, is in the same category of error committed by those who believe that the following economies should be centrally controlled. Climate is dictated by a single molecule. Truth is the preserve of authorities. Moral principles invented yesterday are better than those embedded in our religions, traditions and cultures. Gender can be changed by volition and scalpel. Utility theory surpasses virtue theory. Complex systems can be reflected in models with predictive competence. Education is the preserve of a state syllabus. We're running out of resources. Your health lies at the end of a needle. Your mental health lies in a pill. Safety is our prime objective. Cultural homogeneity, homogeneity, sorry, is a virtue. AI algorithms represent intelligence, not merely automation. Charity does not begin at home, but with effective altruism. The Earth's rights trump human rights. The who knows what's good for you. Your government is there to protect you. One size fits all. Global crisis admit only global solutions. Parents do not know what is good for their children. Um, I know what I want to say to that, but um, please, Iggy, as um, <laughs> I've read out that list. Um, yeah, so the very first part of the sentence, the hubristic error made by people who believe in gain-of-function efficacy is that... Um, mad scientists can create um, a global virus, or, or words that effect. That's actually a, that's actually not the correct characterization of what gain of function is, or for. 
and it's a it's a, an extreme extrapolation of what it is. So he's actually already begun a, a sort of a misleading statement there. And then all of the things that he's placed after it are nothing to do with with globe with gain of function, right? What they what they are is um, examples of things that he is trying to force the reader into categorizing gain of function as. But gain of function is not any of those things. So there's a there's a two way mis deception going on in what he's doing. Now I don't think he's stupid enough to do that accidentally so i would be arguing well why would you do that deliberately and i don't know the answer to that but i but then that led me to interacting a bit with the thread and asking technical questions and i didn't really get any satisfactory answers and then i'm left kind of thinking th there's something lacking shall we say um yes uh well it's, it's not only lacking it's um the deceptive sort of straw man comparisons to throw at a reader. And again, there's um it's a hubris on his part to think that he can take um you know what is a fairly well evolved physical science and class it into what what I would essentially almost call sort of culture war categories. And yeah. they're very divisive um, issues that, you know, I'm going to agree with most of actually the <laughs> what he's put in that list as um, things that we should be concerned about. But the, um, yeah, it's a lack of precision around which he's trying to take an issue of Goff and Dirk and... Um, yeah, um, it, it's misleading the reader and um, and it's a kind of weird purity test. For... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's actually a false binary. It's false. Mm. It's the with us or against us argument, isn't it? Just repackaged. Mm. You, you either buy into what I'm saying or you buy into the polar opposite. Right. Mm. And the polar opposite is wrong. That's what he's saying, which is not true. So just as a way of testing myself with you two who know more about this than I do, just to sort of make sure that I'm not misinterpreting this, um, I would, on a layman's point of view, I would characterise gain of function as being the deliberate manipulation of one or more characteristics or properties of, in, in, in this case, virus, in order to essentially enhance that property or characteristic. So whether that's, say, transmissibility or um, virulence or the ability to attach to a specific receptor or something else, right, for a particular reason, that's that's essentially a form of gain of function. But what gain of function isn't is a specific tool. It's more of an approach, a philosophical approach, using many tools in genetic engineering to produce, I, uh, produce ideally, an outcome. But the outcome doesn't have to be as radical as creating a world's deadliest, most transmissible virus better than anthrax. It can just be, can we tweak this 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 virus so that it can more effectively attach to a higher percentage of ACE2 receptors inside a given host organism, or that it not only can attach to receptors inside bats, but also mice 
So we don't have to have two forms of the virus. We actually only have one because we've gained function on its receptor um, binding, something like that. Is that a fair way of characterizing what gain of function is? Charles, um, that's uh, square into well, your call. I mean, that, that is another, <laughs> I mean, that is, I guess, a, it's a basic definition, but um, this is one of the reasons why I've, I've been writing and, and creating threads about what, what the actual definitions, because I think it's incredibly important. If you, if you move away from the actual definitions, then you can kind of do what, what Nick or, or JC or these other people are doing, which is kind of morph it into whatever you want it to be. And um, so I pulled up the list of the seven categories Per the actual regulations, and um, what this shows is that there are seven. So gain of function is yes. What Iggy said is like a, a a simple explanation for what gain of function is meant to be. But there's seven specific categories of gain of function that are defined uh, under the NSAB regulations, which is a U.S. government panel that was designed. It was convened to answer these questions and lay out rules for what should be done with anything that falls under the set of research uh, for anything that falls under federal funding. And so the first thing I'll say is all, all definitions of gain of function and any regulations dealing with gain of function have only ever come from the U.S. government or the EU and but we we always talk about the U.S. government one, and more specifically, it only applies to any research that receives federal funding. So, if if you don't fall in the spectrum, so any any corporate research or anything else that has that doesn't receive U.S. federal funding, which by the way is seventy percent of all um, biomedical funding of all public biomedical funding on, on the planet, anything that mm -hmm. falls outside of that doesn't apply. There are no regulations whatsoever. Literally mm -hmm. Pfizer can do whatever it wants. So can any other company. So can any other government because there is no international regulation for this aside from the bioweapons convention. Now, having said that there are seven categories and so the seven types of gain of function, there's one, it enhances the, the harmful consequences of the agent or toxin. Two, disrupts immunity or the effectiveness of an immunization against the agent or toxin without clinical or agricultural justification. Three, confers the agent or toxin resistance to any existing um, prophylaxis or therapeutic interventions or facilitates their ability to evade detection. Four, increases the stability, transmissibility, or the ability to disseminate the agent or toxin. Five, alters the host range or tropism, the type of cells that can enter. Six, enhances the susceptibility of a host population to the agent or toxin. Or seven, generates or reconstitutes an eradicated or extinct agent or toxin listed in section three above. And so number seven was specifically 
initially uh, put in there because these this gain of function debate first spiraled into the public domain after the 2005 resurrection of the H1N1 vi virus from 1918. That was done by Jeffrey Taubenberger and, uh, and a couple of the researchers. And Taubenberger today, or up until very recently, has been a very, very high up in the NIH power structure. So they, they revived a dead virus, and that is one of the seven categories. It's the same thing as if you, as if you use various means of engineering to reconstitute from the sequence, for example, the smallpox virus. That would be an example of those. But but basically what we're looking at is those are the seven categories. And so when we talk about gain of function, there's been, in Congress, there's been this giant debate, okay, did Fauci lie or, or whatever? And he did lie. And we're not going to get into the specifics of why he lied, but he did lie. But gain of function or slash a dual use research of concerns. So Goff or Dirk, categories of risky, risky, risky experiments, there's seven of them. And so enhancing a pathogen in any way, specifically against humans or crops or, or animals uh, without some sort of justification, um, that those are the seven um, categories. And the SARS-CoV-2 virus by itself meets four of those at a minimum. And if you include the different measures that were taken to restrict known therapeutics and prophylaxis, prophylaxis uh, like hydroxychloroquine, et cetera, that by itself is another line in here. So it's not just the gain of function of the virus. It's if you do something that, that causes the a population to become more susceptible. And so the withholding of these of these different therapies and prophylaxis and other research into these things, that is also a violation of these gain of function things. In fact, there there's a few of them that are of these categories that are acceptable under certain conditions. And then there's and then there's four of them, I believe, in particular, maybe three or four, that are under no circumstances can you do this. And in the case of enhances the susceptibility of a host population and reconstituting an, an eradicated or an extinct agent, those are things you are never supposed to do. Disrupting immunity to a population, you're never supposed to do that, which means there's no justification. But that's exactly what's happened. And, and we know that, that... So it kind of... Once you step back from that, and then you look at what um, what Nick Hudson was saying, Iggy was absolutely right. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. None of those things were relevant to the discussion. My response to it was similar to both of y'all's, which was, "This is a false premise. I don't believe in any of those other things. Believing that gain of function experiments can lead to pathogens that spread." doesn't have anything to do with any of those arguments whatsoever. Mm. And so he responded by saying, oh, well, it's this is something, gain of function presupposes outcomes in a complex system, which is, <laughs> it's a fucking throwaway answer that mm. has no relevance whatsoever. And he talked about 
And then he mentioned um, engineered crops and, and magic beans as seeds. But he's a fucking idiot. Why? Because, and this is something I responded in the thread too, but back in college, when I was um, in my, my global economics and market um, dynamics class that I took, uh, my professor, Brian Barry, was the foremost, most cited geographer on the planet. And uh, and there were entire chapters in the book that he wrote that we were t being taught out of that talked about how genetic modifications to crops cr increased crop yields per acre 100-fold in a span of two decades. So this notion that that the that there's just magic beans and that they don't actually exist is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I know I kind of bounced around there, but yeah, and, and and I mean, so with these seven, the specific seven deadly sins, show you how wide the mischaracterization and the grotesque. I mean, it's not even an oversimplification that Nick's making. He's literally misleading people in their yeah. understanding of what he even he even means about gain of function because whatever he's getting at does not relate to what gain of function is in any way of those, of the, out of those seven points and even my basic characterization of it on a simple on on just a simple convenient way of describing it certainly in the context of of how people are thinking of it in covid is nothing like what he's writing about so so what I would argue is that in a, in some kind of almost reflexive sense, what he, the if if he is making a hubristic error, believing that he knows enough about this stuff to go around telling people in public that anything about gain of function when he doesn't clearly understand it. I mean, you were very right when you pointed out that the very first sentence of this thread is exactly this is the same sort of gaslighting that the the zunati use in their narrative construction they pretend that science doesn't exist that's inconvenient to them and then they're the same hubris <laughs> i mean i studied ancient greek so hubris figures prominently as a word in that and the same hubris is is being applied here and this is something that i kevin and i have talked about many times on this stream which is that the biggest sin that JC has committed has been to talk about um, his arguments, but then not allow his audience to see the other side of the argument. And so all that's doing is simply, it's its own type of censorship. And it allows him to create this narrative without anybody to um, go up against it. And the only reason it's not more detrimental to the overall argument or discussion than it has been, which it has been detrimental, but it, it's simply because he, JC doesn't have the means to completely censor out other opinions. He can only truly do that with his audience and within his circles, but it's still the same exact mechanisms. And it, it's all based on intellectual dishonesty and an unwillingness to face the actual data. Yeah, it's it's uh, ostrich head in the sand about what is uh, and like I say when you when you're dealing with it, it's a extant physical science that like I say, when you can 
modify crop yields using things like viruses to get in uh, to deliver genes um, and imbue characteristics at, <sighs> at, at the single molecule level. Um, it's, it's an asinine position to be holding to say that you can't modify a extant known pathogen to increase its whatever on on the list and i I was just trying to scroll through and i I saw his reply um it's a one from kevin mckernan uh mpfd massively parallel false dichotomies sprinkling a touch of elitism and condemnation and you have for for (laughs) yourself a micro cult um i have to say that kev's been pretty spot on in um nailing yep. Hudson to the, the wall and well all of the Pandastan groupies right now. And this well, Nodling put something in the chat which is is quite um important. Let me see if I can just find it. What's the upside of Nick's position? The people that have been doing goff are exonerated and not investigated. That's the logical endpoint of his reasoning, right? To say that it doesn't exist just means that there's zero, zero comeback on people who have been essentially engaged in, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, um, weapons that um, shouldn't be even broached or investigated unless under the most severe circumstances. You don't turn it into a billion dollar industry. And, well, uh, Nodling is, he definitely, I was reading it just before you said it, and that, that was an excellent point, um, because, and JC makes this argument too, where um, the, all this focus on gain of function will cause us to not focus on the vaccines and the dangers of the vaccines, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. They have nothing to do with each other. Other than the fact that the same spike protein is extant in both, um, you, you can you can actually hold both things to be self-evident at the same time that that viruses are real, and that and gain of function viruses are real, and these transfections are real, and they and they might be doing more of the damage, and it was always insulting for for them to argue this. But it's even more insulting to me personally now because I'm literally, I don't know if you can see it, but I have a literal heart monitor on right now because of these, of these gain of function transfections. Mm. And that, so this notion that myself or, or any of us would ignore the damage caused by the vaccines is absolutely, I mean, it's laughable to think that we would do that because if if we if we believe that the ep, it's what the epitopes are in the spike protein, then why on earth would we ignore the fact that the transfections are are terrible too? It's just, it, but it, but it's just he presents a false dichotomy or, or he sets this false premise, and then J, this is almost this is exactly what JC has been doing. Where what is what has JC done besides uh, repeat his same you know Lord's prayer every every show 
he lists off all the things that Kevin or myself or other people aren't talking about, even though we are talking about them and he's just, he's not paying attention, but his audience believes that we've been ignoring all these things because he doesn't show anything that we talk about except in, uh, you know, minute clips. So that the, mm. and, and he also knows the truth about our opinions. So that's, that's incredibly dishonest, incredibly dishonest. Just, just to go back to this question of who benefits, you know, if you look at the timing of, of the circumstances, you know, to, to, to rubbish gain of, gain of function efficacy, to use Nick's specific words, would get off Dazak, Barrick, Fauci, and then essentially um, anything built off the back of their work. But also, it would also deflect from what the Russians are demonstrating um, are the biolabs that they found in Ukraine. Now, I don't know if you've watched RT, but literally t a day or two ago, RT's got a six or seven minute segment where a journalist is sat in in a in a room saying this is a load of the documentation that has been found mm -hmm. and released by the Russians from one of the biolab warfare bio warfare labs that they've claimed that they've encountered and it shows that there's a massive amount of illegal human experimentation going on mm. and we I, haven't got I do have that clip I, I don't know is it worth playing for well i mean maybe stick it on a bit later on if people if mm. you want to but the point being that that pathway, if it's real and if it's true and if it can be chased down by the Russians and, and, and information gets passed back to the UN, that, that goes to the same place. So it's in certain people's interests to have gain-of-function rubbished so that that narrative gets killed before it becomes... before it um, grows, if you see what I mean. So it's not just about Fauci and Dazak and whatever else. It's also about what else is in the pipeline. Oh, Russian found Ukrainian biolabs because they exist all over the place. Uh, even Dazak, uh, in this in the thread, I posted a load of things, and one of them was the This Week in Virology May 2020 episode with Peter Dazak, where you know I was watching this a long, long time ago, right at the beginning of the um, pandemic, and he's explaining there. EcoHealth Alliance's general methodology, in which he also describes strapping, um, you know, back coronavirus onto a back existing backbone and and fucking around right towards the end of it. Twenty nine minutes forty in, that's when he starts talking about that specific thing. Right mm -hmm. now, it, but what he's describing is are elements of gain of function, right? Even though he that's doesn't exactly use specific... that. It's exactly that. Okay, mm. I, and and I asked Nick which bits of which bits of the stuff that Peter is saying is hubristic and in error? Because it sounds like he's talking in his own shop, right? Didn't answer that. Now I've got a question for for um for for you, which is to test my own logic, right? And it's a it's a quick direct question I asked Nick, right? I said, Nick, did gain of function technology produce SARS-CoV-2? Insert the HIV GP120, modify the furin cleavage site to this level. Or, and or impart amyloidogenic prior disease initiation capabilities to SARS-CoV-2? If not, what did compared to other coronavirus? So in either of your opinion, what are the answers to those four questions? Did GovTech produce SARS-CoV-2? Um, well, certainly. Of course. <laughs> um, of course we're going to say yes. 
look, okay. there was there was a recent paper I I looked at the other day, which was essentially looking at these things called uh, Xeno amps, and uh, they were basically it means sort of foreign antigen molecular particles. I think the definition was, and what they were able to do was sort of do a direct comparison with HCOV OC43. Now, just let's just start with that simple premise that there is a known strain of human infective coronavirus that circulates seasonally around the globe and it's detectable through lab investigation. And look, for a real world example, three of my family have all got clinically diagnosed influenza B at this moment, right? So th these are, and they're sick, right? They're, they're displaying symptoms and there's, there's, they're testing and able to localize this pathogen in this instance. In this case, influenza, which is again, another RNA virus, which seems to, um, you know, do this seasonality and RNA um, viruses can't spread. Right. Which is, you know, this is what he's trying to hide behind his argumentation, which is that um, he's listening to dribble that comes from Kui's mouth, that the, uh, an RNA virus is incapable of maintaining transmission. The fact that HCOV OC43 exists and is trackable and has been trackable for decades. And we can compare, and so they're able to compare the amino acid sequence by amino acid sequence and look to see where these molecular pattern, these hyperinflammatory molecular patterns are. And as there's a particular region that I'm concerned with, and people who watch my stream know that I fixate on this segment in the S1 peptide that is now known to be catalyzing for human prion protein. Their machine learning, looking at this particular type of categorization, identified that exact same epitope. That epitope is there across all of the variants of concern that we see spreading, right? So it's, it's a consistently contained sequence of amino acids that has been multiply identified through multiple techniques as being highly problematic in terms of what it could potentially lead to, right? And, it's not just the virus, it's what would be translated as well via um, the vaccination. And there, just the basis of that study, in their, in, in, with their logic, is impossible to do because there could be no HCOV OC43 that's identifiable each year. It would turn into genetic mush, basically, if you follow their reasoning. And that's obviously not the case. Right, so you, you, you can come up with whatever theory and hypothesis you want, but if it doesn't stand up to basic tests on, on reality, then you've got you've to stop and at least reappraise your position. 
no, you don't. Then no, because what they'll say is that um, that the OC forty three um, pandemic <clears throat> is what they believe it is in eighteen ninety two and eighteen ninety three. Well, that was clearly a lab generated pathogen that was seeded all around the world. Has to be, duh. <laughs> so the except none of their arguments make sense ever when you when you go back and you and you dig deep enough but yes this is the type of logic that they use okay so so my points what i was one building up to here is that he's he's a, a later point in his explanation or one of his responses is that he's claiming that what he thinks is gain of function efficacy can't be real because as soon as you attempt as a human being messing around using genetic engineering to change something as complex as a virus and then release it into something, a system as complex as the real world, we are too stupid and incapable of accurately predicting what the outcomes will be. So that means that what we are trying to do at the beginning is never going to work anyway because we just don't have a handle on the complexity, right? And so he characterizes this also as, well, you tinker at the edges, but he doesn't really explain what that means, okay? Well, there's, now, a, there's a little bit of text here where he says, um, <clears throat> so it's in response to Charles. So Charles says, this is a false premise. I don't believe any of those things, not even remotely. And um, Nick's response to that is, it's intimately entwined with those claims, as succinctly explained below. You're operating with a simplistic understanding of evolution. And then this is opposed to someone called Mike Driver. Gain of function presupposes outcomes in a complex system. All of our politicians, most of our academics, the majority of journalists, and every single unelected bureaucrat assume this same fallacy across multiple domains. Again, Nick lists them here, and it's his stupid false dichotomy list that he puts there. Um, let's let's just start with the premise that. Um, it's impossible to tinker with or manipulate an ecological niche and impact its evolutionary trajectory. Now, again, you go back and most concrete examples, obviously being GMO crops, right? That's something that's sustained its massive market and is all dependent on putting in genes that imbue characteristics that favor agriculture in this instance but it's perfectly feasible to do the inverse if you wanted to do that okay so it's not impossible to change characteristics and put them and make them marketable so that <laughs> literally corporations invest billions of dollars and make billions back on their sale so that that immediate claim that you you don't know the impact on, uh, or you can't do it because the changes on the ecology and evolutionary trajectory are too complex is prima facie nonsense. Now you can you can extend that. Then they'll say they'll say well, okay, we'll give you GMO crops, but you can't you can't do that with pathogens. Yes, you can. And there are active pathogens that are part of biowarfare stockpiles. And I'm sure Charles 
be happy to list off um, the very, very comprehensive list of pathogens that have been packaged for for weapons delivery. They they've and they've oh, done that, <laughs> but, and they've, and they've done it knowing that it's going to have a a targeted effect in the area that it's deployed. So already that they're they're on shaky ground there with respect to um, being able to one identify something that can be well essentially weaponizable to put it into a delivery system. Now, free, they want to claim that, well, if they make something, it's impossible for it to transmit from one to the other. And this is where they'll try to fall back on their lazy understanding of what the quasi-species swarm is. And I don't know if Charles has his slide deck to hand. but uh, well, yeah, I don't have those particular graphics up, but we went how many times have we gone through this where we went through paper after paper mm. um, showing quasi-species viral dynamics, showing aerosol spread, proof of aerosol spread, um, proven uh, through um, close-circuit um, TV where they, where they looked at this, um, this, this little outbreak this little spreading event at a Chinese restaurant in Guangdong in 2020. And they used the camera footage to show that they tracked each time every utensil on the table and everything on the table, everything in the environment was touched. And they, they ruled out a spread via droplet or fomite transmission for the virus because it was impossible for one person to infect people at these different tables by any other means other than through air circulation and aerosolized particles. They proved it. It was ingenious. And there were several papers written about this and other similar activities. And there have been hundreds of papers where they sequenced, including in that, that one paper for this restaurant, they sequenced each of the people to show the transmission chains and prove that the transmission occurred from this one individual to all these other individual people sitting at different tables. So they proved it in all these different ways. And that was just for aerosolized transmission. Now, why is that important for quasi-species? Well, because if the quasi-species was so unstable, then you basically couldn't even have that mm. because those people wouldn't, go on and infect maybe one or two other people before that infection chain died out, which, which would require that all spreading events basically had to be within two or three degrees of separation, two or three transmission events from an, an infectious clone source, which is absolutely ludicrous. The logistics required for that would be so astronomical. And to compare that with, or, and look, that, no, that's not to, it's not to say it's that red. if what we've seen is some consequence of hybrid warfare, that they they may have seeded particular areas in order to. Of course, right? I don't it's have entirely possible. But the idea that it cannot spread via contact and aerosol is 
um, well, I don't know. Like, like they'll they'll just say, "Well, the paper, you can't believe any scientific papers." Well, uh, oh. uh, well, if that's true, we can't believe anything that they're saying right now. Right, hang, hang on. Let me go back though, because I want to. I want to just work on this lo uh, on a logical aspect here of what he's saying, because it goes back to the false premise that he started on. Because he's basically saying that this stuff is essentially ends up with a point in the chain of such great complexity that we can't have an effect on that complexity that we understand and we aim for. So we, we lose control or we aren't ever effective from the outset because we just can't compete in this environment with what really happens, right? We, we don't understand enough. We're not good enough at it is essentially what he's saying, right? Now, this is, this is where I have a major logic problem with what he's saying. Imagine that your intent in gain of function is to make SARS-CoV-2 more transmissible to humans, and that's it, right? That's, that's your intent. And you make changes that you think are going to do that, and then out it comes and you release it, right? And then what happens? Okay, let's just say hypothetically, it doesn't transmit in the way that you thought it was going to, and it doesn't have this effect, right? And you go, oh, the fuck, right, okay. That's a bit disappointing. Maybe we fucked that up. But it persists in the environment enough that things happen, and it, and it demonstrates other characteristics. And it turns out that five years later, you find out that the shit you did to, to SARS-CoV-2 may not have actually affected its... Um, inherent transmissibility but what it did do was it was it basically triggered amyloidogenic prion disease initiation and you didn't know that because yeah you were shit at gain of function because you didn't know what you were doing but you actually did radically increase its gain of function in a different way and so therefore you had an effect it's just that you didn't know what the effect was going to be there and then and you had to wait to see what happened to the organism's the host organisms over a period of time for you to work out, holy shit, we did something else, right? Mm -hmm. Now, as much as that sounds like a disconnected example, that would still be a theoretical example of effect, right? And efficacy, whether you knew what the fuck you were doing or not is a different question altogether, right? Mm. Now, does that logic, is that logic a, re a relatively credible critique of, of, of where you can get to if you criticize or if you analyze Nick's poor use, loose use of language and terminology, but also the inherent logic of genetic engineering's outcomes, because gain of function is just a form of pointed genetic engineering using a big suite of tools that exist. They're not special gain of function tools. They're a big suite of tools that you can use for any purpose. Does, does my logical rationale hold water as a critique of what he's saying or not? Yeah, uh, if you imbue a characteristic, and it doesn't matter if uh, you know it wasn't something that you were you you'd planned on, but there may have been you know changes to tertiary structures in proteins, etc., that you know increase surface contact for amyloidogenic um, processes that you that you didn't predict, um, but you caused that. Then yeah, of course that would that would be. Um, a, a direct example of, um, well, it may not have been the target you were aiming for, but you you still caused um, 
change. You still you still racked up on that list of what not to do when you're supposed to be dealing with these um, pathogens. And look, there's there's a the simple critique to again, you're correct in saying it's very loose use of language, is what these people are now doing is as they circle into the no virus um, domain, what they're doing is they're not talking about the whole of the weapon system. And that weapon system, again, goes from the molecular level to the understanding of complex social structures that you could line everything up and hit people with the same synthetic peptide delivered through gene transfection technologies. And they don't speak about it in those terms. And in avoiding that space, they again allow this room for the people who work in that space specifically, and they might justify it as being, well, we've got to do it because um, if we don't do it, uh, I don't know, the sand monkeys in in Iran might do it, and they'll they'll get to us first. Um, it's it's a shocking dereliction of following hypotheses and logic. Right, they've they've stopped, they've deliberately stopped short, and tried to hone in on, um, well, essentially techno babble, to try to convince themselves that there isn't, there aren't wolves out there in the forests, right? Better better just to uh, pretend that the howls that you hear are just the wind, and um, carry on about your day. And I get that they're concerned about. Um, the tyranny that comes from the infrastructure that's built up around that industry. I get it. It's what it is one of the major concerns. But the simple the, the simple fact is, because of how things played out, it may well have been that if you're dealing with again some sort of hybrid warfare, where they try to and if we take them at their word with we want to remove a good portion of the population. Well, they just lined up. They managed to line up four and a half billion people and hit them with over 13 billion doses of that synthetic peptide that the molecular biology says can inflict these prion-like disorders and they take years to decades to fully manifest. And and if they're not talking about that, then they're obfuscating and again creating a, uh, a wiggle room for the for the bastards that did this. And um, again, they, pe people should be. <laughs> this this isn't just um, a, a academic debate back and forth. There's serious consequences at play if the molecular biology holds. And we should be far more combative, I guess, in dealing with the nonsense that they spew. And it is nonsense. And they won't. Right, we're fear-mongering. We're fear-mongering, according to them, which is ironic because then they, 
the problem is that they don't understand. Some of them understand the science and are, are, and are deliberately obfuscating, and some people don't understand it. Here's another response in that same chain. Two minutes. They're saying, oh, it, it would require a serial passage in humans, not animals. The furin cleavage is very common in coronaviruses, by the way. The only way to increase its prevalence would be via persistent and widespread contamination, either that or pure chance. Most probably it comes from nature. No, that's fucking incorrect. Uh, furin cleavage is not very common in coronaviruses, not in these type of coronaviruses, anything genetically remotely close. Um, it, it would require zero passage in humans. Well, that's a misunderstanding of, of the science. The science says that when there's serial passage in animals, in most animals, that aren't humans, very quickly the furin cleavage site goes away. And so in that sense, um, the furin cleavage site is, has been very stable in human-to-human -human, um, transmission chains. But in cell culture, it quickly goes away, depending on the cell culture that you use. However, that doesn't mean that that requires passaging in humans because the, the gain-of-function experiments that uh, Kawaoka and Ron Fuchier, when they, when they took H5N1 and, and caused it to be transmissible in ferrets, ferrets aren't humans, but it was, it was serial passage in ferrets that that allowed for the for the for the for a furin cleavage site to emerge in H5N1. So right off the bat, these people they don't have an understanding of the science itself. But then they'll make these arguments with these incomplete understandings. And unfortunately, the public doesn't understand that they're wrong. And and you just missed it, but I, I was pointing out that um, somebody in that email chain was, or in that thread was saying to gain the fear and cleavage site, it would require serial passage in humans, not animals. That's not wrong. true. <laughs> that's not that's not true. But th once again, that's what this Agus ZX inside this um, th thread is trying to argue with you know with myself and with Kevin McKernan and others. They have no fucking idea about the science. Mm. But they're sitting here spouting this shit as if they do, and 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 so what the what this really shows is that those are examples of people that have been led astray by people like JC or by Nick Hudson or by these other or Sasha Latipova, all these people who are making claims when they don't understand any of it, or yeah. they're intentionally obfuscating, and what it creates is this echo chamber, and all that we've been trying to do is break that echo chamber. And say no, there. You're making these claims, but <laughs> but there's a debate out there. It, it's not just well, like, oh, you're correct. Well, well, this is why in this thread I directed it towards Andrew Huff, and I just said, Andrew, what do you make of the claim that golf efficacy isn't is bullshit? And he came back within a minute or two. I mean, I didn't expect him to, but he just came back within a minute or two, saying, no, this is a complete psyop. Gain of function is is effective. It's been because that's why the military or the government governments use it for countermeasures and weapons, right? 
And then Nick's response to this is takes about 12 hours or something, right? And his first response is nothing to do with any technical aspect whatsoever. He finds a Jordan Schachtel um, article about Huff, which basically questions what Huff was doing after he outed himself, right? After he stepped forward and said, I believe that there are issues with EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Daszak and for these technical matters, okay, that's that was what Andrew Huff was about. Everything that happened to Andrew Huff afterwards, which is the only stuff that's in Jordan Schachtel's article, is about his book launch and his publicity and the issues that he communicated about having entered the public eye, which were like, you know, are the cops on my property? Am I getting chased or surveilled, right? There were nothing to do with any technical aspect at all. And Nick just used this article and said, oh, this is who Huff is. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's, I'll immediately discredit him on. Did we lose Ziggy? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'll, 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 I'll just say this about Andrew. Andrew's, Andrew, for um, all his, uh, how should we say, flair for the camera, um, he's one of the few people that's actually stood up and put his neck on the chopping block with respect to talking about what goes on in these industries. And if you don't have domain level experts coming forward, then you're not going to get anywhere. And you, what, you just, you're just going to sit there with Pandastan and them saying that you, you, can't, you can't influence biology and genetics by making interventions. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous stance to be taking. And well, all, I mean, they, they don't know anything about Andrew Huff. And, you know, I've, I have my own questions. And so what did I do? I went and met with him directly. And I, I've met him multiple times, but I stayed at his house for a week. Nice family, by the way. Um, and I've seen the camera footage of of people lurking around in his woods. I've seen the the deer stand like or deer camera shots of the drones flying around his property. So I mean, I don't know what else. I don't know what you're supposed to. I've seen all the documents they and the 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 filings that he's he's had in the cases that he's going after the officials in, in the state and in the County where he lives because they were working, they, they were allowing, they were working with the federal officials to surveil and, and harass him. And he has the evidence and he's filed things in actual courts. So it's one thing for, for people to say, okay, well, he's, he's attention seeking, which he is. In fact, he would freely admit, <laughs> that you know that he is but he's also um he also hired a publicist uh, specifically yes to to gain awareness for his book but also because what was he doing for the years before that he was doing the same thing that we were which was trying to raise awareness in different circles and nobody would listen to him nobody would believe him and so finally he went public after he'd already um been been fighting this and um you know you can disagree with the ways that he's gone about it but the truth is he has stood up he has put himself at risk i saw the bullet holes in his mailbox so i mean <laughs> it, to me it's people always 
I'm okay with people, you know, trying to discredit Andrew Huff because, you know, they think that he's attention seeking or whatever. But what's more important is the substance of the arguments that he's making about Eco Health mm -hmm. Alliance. Mm -hmm. And and this is what happens and this to is have what been working there. Yeah, and this is what Hudson completely evaded. So so my you know, very, very just to touch on a couple of example points that I'm aware of without going into the details of it, is that essentially Huff said he was employed by EcoHealth Alliance, working directly under DASAC, and had multiple personal interactions with them about the nature of the work that was being undertaken under the programs EcoHealth was, was using. And Huff said, I've got major risk exposure issues here where because what we're farming out to other organizations and how we are over we are executing oversight or not means we don't really know what they're doing and this is a direct risk to the primary business but also potentially in contravention of gain of function law and moratorium for example right and he then also said that at some point in that employment period peter dazak told him that he had been in contact, he'd been contacted by the CIA and had decided to take up an opportunity to essentially begin some kind of work stream in coordination with the CIA around um, potential aspects of what might have been gain of function work, is if I recall what Huff said correctly. Is that yes? Is that he, what? yes? So he, he didn't just say that, he also, um, later on down the line, once after uh, Dasek had approached him and said, hey, should I work with the CIA? Well, later on, several months later, it was Andrew Huff who put together slide presentations to pitch what the work that they were going to do with Incutel, which is the private investment arm of the CIA. Of the CIA, yeah. So, and then after those pitches, they developed this relationship. And that's what he can testify. That's what he wants to testify to. In fact, I think, yeah, I think very recently, I could be wrong, but I think very recently, Andrew Huff did provide testimony in a closed session to, um, to members of Congress. But I, I, I don't know all the details of that because it hasn't been made public. But once again, he's also made, he's also filed, um, you know, various court cases against the federal government, against EcoHealth Alliance, under threat of perjury <laughs> about all of these things. So, he, so until somebody else and comes out and proves that he's lying, um, he's the only person from EcoHealth Alliance who's testified under oath until um, uh, Dasik just did uh, last month, I believe. So. And that yeah. was a closed so, door. We don't have that's not that wasn't a public hearing, so we have no idea what was said. But the, but there's only two people that have ever testified from Equal Health Alliance, and Andrew Huff is one of them. Yeah. So if you so if we take all of that and look at what I did, I introduced Andrew Huff, who is a, a, at least a domain pseudo expert, partial expert, if not expert enough, certainly compared to Nick. Right. Oh God. Him, <laughs> what you... yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I asked him, "What do you think directly?" And he directly gave an answer. Mm. In response to that answer, Nick used basically a very low quality ad hominem. Yeah. That's all. All that the Jordan Schachtel argument is. Right. 
is a low quality ad hominem that has nothing to do with the technicals of what Andrew Huff was talking about, which which is the whole raison d'etre for Andrew Huff, right? Every, getting shot at, right, or or being being fingered by the feds or having drones fly over is 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 actually nothing to do with this story. It's just the things that happened afterwards, right? But they're nothing right. to do with what Andrew Huff was ever talking about. Nick Nick has deliberately obfuscated or avoided this, and then worse, that when I said to him. When I then said to him, "Okay, Nick, so Andrew's Andrew's rejecting your position, and he, are you calling Andrew a bullshitter based on the fact that Andrew has essentially deposed himself, testified, and possibly given testimony to Congress?" And Nick goes, "Read this, reflecting the the art, the Shaktel article. I can't believe you back him. It's like I don't back him. I've just brought him in to ask what his opinion is. I don't back Andrew Huff. I don't know the guy, but I know what he's claimed to have done. So." This entire approach, just in this one thing where you get, I, I found an expert that I don't think Nick was completely aware of, judging by the speed of his response and then the nature of the selection of his of his ad hominem. I don't think he, he was expecting that. And I also don't think he knew who Andrew Huff was properly. Um, shows me that he's got a disingenuous approach to dealing with technicals, the technicals of his or the technicalities of his initial premise, and that's not, a, and that's the disingenuous approach, as far as I can tell. Yeah, uh, yes, very much so. And and again, his um, his lack of technical competence in this area is inherently obvious in his posts. What he's relying on is the opinions of we we know who it's Cooey, Rankle, basically. Um, I don't I don't think panda as a group is growing i know many people who have left panda because of how they've um acted over the years including credentialed virologists who try to explain to them how they were getting things wrong and well it also mark um what's that guy's mark Girardo. oh yeah but isn't he still and, part and, of panda right yeah but i was just saying panda it is important to understand the background of where Panda came from because Panda initially was, was formed because they were crunching data and they, they were skeptical of the lockdowns, skeptical of the different measures and, and the claims about um, the virus, um, the claims about epidemiology and all cause mortality and et cetera, which were all perfectly legitimate uh, lines of inquiry. Um, however, what, what Panda has clearly done is they had a set of, they came to a set of conclusions and now they've become ironclad in those conclusions and become unwilling to look at any data that, that disagree. They keep attacking data that disagrees with their conclusions. And because it's easier, it's an easier, so, well, actually I don't want to say that because they might have, um, the mal intentions when it comes to the stuff that they're doing. And the, the longer the Panda keeps on beating these drums, then yes, it comes, it becomes more suspicious just like it did with, with uh Cooey. You know, when, when Gigastone first went off on a tangent, um, Kevin and I, we were just confused. We, we weren't, we didn't think that he had any mal intent or anything like that. We were sitting here wondering, okay, 
well, he's gone down this rabbit hole, but let, let's try to bring the science and and point out the arguments. And at first, I in particular tried to do this behind the scenes for two months. And ultimately, um, we he wouldn't respond at all, which was amazing because we were working on the same project for RFK Jr. at the time. And he, he literally, outside of, you know, the the discussions that we were having for the book, he would not respond to me when I was sitting here saying, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you arguing these things? What happened? Because I literally came to you. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's an accusation now that you, you were, you're a fed targeting him to basically fry him off the track of. Um, the... I, I, tar I targeted, I didn't target him. Um, I wanted to raise Drastic's profile in the U.S. And as a former Drastic member, he was one—he's he, one of the only Drastic members in the U.S., especially that's that's public facing. Um, we have a couple others, uh, but just off the top of my head, they're all um, students, pseudonymous. I don't know. Pseudonymous. <laughs> so I just took my—I just took my medication for the. For the cardiac problems I don't have from the vaccine. So because because these epitopes are aren't of concern. It was all saline or whatever it is that they're claiming. It's but, just it's just melting RNA that doesn't do anything, can't do anything. Yeah, because because it just it just reads from random points and it so these epitopes can't do any harm. So well, nothing to worry about. So I obviously yeah. have a different problem that's not tied to that. But anyway. He, but all as of these, all of these claims are just it, it's just it's mind-blowing to me that that this has gotten to this point but at the same time this is exactly what kevin and i you know 18 months ago were railing about uh, talking to Kui directly and then when he wouldn't talk to us anymore we took it public and what were we afraid of that people were going to listen to him without understanding the context and that he was going to abuse his PhD and his, his status that he had the gravitas that he had gained from the good things that he was doing um, and take people down a rabbit hole because he was presenting false information. He was presenting false premises <clears throat> just like what is happening now. And the only difference is, is but that all these, all these people on this one side of, of the spectrum of these arguments have coalesced and and created this giant um, circle jerk of stupidity. Yeah, and, and it, but this thread shows you the the dichotomy between and the the dichot the splitting quality right between the people who are agreeing and following Nick's bizarre jumbled opening statement and the people who are questioning it because the people who are, who are following it have not have agreed with it, have not even questioned the validity of the original post in language, meaning, specificity, or the validity of parallels, right? They've not questioned any of that. They've just gone, yeah, great list, Nick. You know, yeah, yeah, Hansel, great story, Hansel, right? And um, they, but, but they haven't actually said, what do you mean, right? And then it's only people like me, you, Jicky Leaks, and a few others and it's actually starting to increase now. Chris Martinson has gotten in on it, and and said we don't agree, right? We we don't we you know what what about this? What about that? And the, and the funny thing is that the only 
the only specific answers he's given are really softball stuff, like the discrediting of, of Andrew Huff or people just agreeing with him and going, yes, um, yes, of course you can spread this, right? He doesn't deal with any of the complex technical issues that people are responding to him with, right? Which tells you that his whole premise doesn't hold water. It's, it's probably indefensible, right? And um, but the, but so so the problem here is that he is having an effect on people who don't realise their own idiocy. They they don't have the ability to look at his opening post and say, just on a linguistic basis, this doesn't make sense because he's not defined his terms, and then he's used false parallels. And then, if I do know anything about the science, I know that he's talking shit. There's at least three levels of stupidity that people are going along with here. Or at well, least, yeah, stupidity is probably a bit harsh, but ignorance, shall we say. Well, I, this thread is, it's a really good example because Nick Hudson has thrown out this, this random line of bullshit. And who has responded? Myself, Kevin, Kevin McKernan, Jicky, Chris Martinson, Andrew Huff. Just think about, we're talking about a lot of people in this origin debate who know a fuck ton. <laughs> These are not just, because uh, love him or hate him, Chris Martinson knows a lot about this too. But you mean well, he, me he that... bought up amyloids the other day. I was like, well, well, well done, Chris. <laughs> right, right. He's paying he's paying attention to us. He was mm. liking some of the stuff that I was saying earlier. Mm. And 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 of course I've I've talked to him offline, just like I've talked to Brett Weinstein and others. But think about all of those people who actually have awareness and understanding on a far deeper level on the science of this. Now, granted, I have epidemiological like knowledge that from back in the first year of the pandemic that Nick Hudson wouldn't know about, but Panda does has tracked epidemiology. They have asked important questions, but for for Nick Hudson to sit here and just you know just spurg or just sit here and just beat off into a circle. And, and throw coom everywhere. Mm. When look at the people that he's trying, he, that he's dismissing. Like, is there a great, just in that one thread, there's a whole bunch of primary sources and some of the best origin researchers on the fucking planet. And when it comes to sequencing or the epidemiology of the virus or the origin and understanding of diffuse or anything else. And, and all thank, the only good thing that's coming from this thread is that all of those people are clearly seeing that this guy has gone off the deep end and his arguments are fucking bullshit. Mm. So. Mm. Well, look, you, you brought up sequencing there. And there's a question that I asked him in a different thread, <clears throat> which Kevin McKernan seems to back up. Nick is saying that essentially there are problems with sequencing because of, um, again, complexity, right? And he's he's getting at the 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 credibility of phylogenics and um, accurate sequencing and so on and so forth, right? Mm. And he's essentially saying this bit of genomics and genetics I I reject, but I won't do it in such a way that I can be specific in saying 
exactly why or what happens to the whole of genomics and genetics when I reject sequencing, right? Because, because it's an inherent part of the technologies and it doesn't work. Sequencing doesn't work partially just because you don't like it. And genomics and genetics depend upon sequencing, right? So there's a, there's a lock-in. You can't just throw one out and then have the other bits. And I point out, I'm saying, I, 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 the way I characterised it is essentially saying, I asked him, well, which bits of genomics do you get with and which bits don't you? And the same for genetic engineering, um, you know, and, 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 and he didn't bother to answer that either. And Kevin, you know, Kevin McKernan knows that I understand what, that he, he, he accurately, you know, he liked it and whatever. He's always supportive when I chip on something because he knows I wanted to make sure I understand something. And th this is what, this is what is discrediting Nick's embarrassing himself by sort of, making statements that can be easily just fallen over that easily easily collapse under logic not 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 even specific knowledge right it's just the logic of what you're saying doesn't hang together that's that's embarrassing right no people at this stage of the game shouldn't be making logic errors they should be making knowledge errors right and then they should be they should have the humility to not expose themselves to big criticism like this because they should be humble enough to say to ask the question instead of make a statement so then they can't be accused of no, not knowing something they could just go well he asked so we'll answer and this is what i find strange so i don't understand why it what what's in it for him right why why do you have to do this why do you have to take this approach what are you trying to exclude and why would you want to exclude it well again i i, I would just you've got to interject here and you've got to say you've got to be very suspect now of anyone who's who's trying to steer conversation away from biowarfare programs and and the implications of them that that's the primary issue that we have to deal with and until that particular whatever you want to call it bomb i guess gets diffused <laughs> excuse the pun but um, all efforts should be focused on working out exactly what has happened in that space and what the epitope signatures mean. These are not these these aren't random letters being spewed out. And again, Kevin is right when he's saying that. Look, you can't you can't talk about um, sequencing and quasi species swarm and then try and dismiss the, uh, the, the tools that made that discovery <laughs> possible. Um, it, it, it's, again, it's so, it's so asinine. And well, especially coming from, from Nick, <clears throat> Nick Hudson is from South Africa. What is South Africa? It's one of the few States on planet earth that had known chemical, biological and nuclear weapons development programs. A lot of people don't know that, but mm. South Africa is one of those countries. South Africa, much like North Korea um, or Iran in this instance, um, had a nuclear weapons development program disguised as civilian use of, of nuclear reactors. And they were also developing chemical and biological weapons. Project Coast so, with, right. with for, the Jews. Nick Hudson to sit here and pretend. <laughs> well, yes, that's correct. Israel is another one of them. Mm -hmm. And and guess who worked with South Africa? Israel 
and mm. other countries like that mm. because they where do you think they these countries got this information and ultimately they got it from israel they got it from the united states etc and they pass this stuff around that people who have no understanding of south african uh, geopolitics are the, the, this is what makes it so surprising to me is that nick hudson lives is a native South African and is sitting here claiming that all of this stuff is bullshit in the biological realm. That mm. is just mind blowing to me. It really is. Mm. Well, and it's it, it's kind of interesting just to see that these different contrasting takes on what is this. Um, well, it's intellectually lazy and um. <laughs> just essentially retarded and you know i'm i trust iggy's instincts when it comes to um these interactions right with like he he sussed out cullen in in minutes right with with a few questions right and you know we still well you know i think we had still sort of we i haven't heard much from them since so <laughs> i guess yeah, they've been quiet mm. um but iggy clocked what they were about and iggy has done he's doing the same thing again it's it's, it's using a sort of rational approach and has picked apart the edifice that nick is trying to um push towards the public and that edifice is is one that is basically saying we can't do the science that gets published literally by dozens of papers a day by institutes that spend billions of dollars developing this technology um it's i don't know it's it's sort of akin to like if you if you told someone from before I don't know, modern computing that you would we'd all be sitting here with communicating in real time like fucking star trek right and you'd have this universal computing device at your at your feet or desk depending on what you're using and and it's all running essentially off the same computational algorithms right the, the, the fact that they would um ignore the fact that the science and technology can move in that direction and can make paradigm changes again just it, it ignores the history of so many fields of endeavor and yeah, i could i just put it in the context of like my domain which is you know the, the brain was sort of considered this intractable problem that um we we would never be able to um pass as as a system um that's not true we've you know, <laughs> we've become very adept at getting into the brain and understanding how that organ is communicating between the the substrate that makes it up <laughs> you can i say you can spend a whole career trying to learn it and get on top of it and to to think that we can't make these types of technological leaps again just belies any 
contact with reality, as far as I'm concerned. And also, what makes, but isn't isn't there another test of this as well? If we sort of give Nick more credit, oh, and, and I'll give ignore... him credit for trying to go against tyranny, right? That that okay. He's, he's got that but, bit. But if we go back to his original post and just sort of give him some latitude, right? And not not pick apart the specifics and just say he's saying that gain of function doesn't work, so stop sweating it, right? What he's saying goes against DARPA, who recognised that the diffuse project, in their words, was a violation of gain of, gain of function moratorium at the time, so we cannot fun fund this. So in order for Nick's premise to be true, DARPA would have to not know what gain of function is and falsely believe that it was a threat or worked in order to then believe that the moratorium had validity and to conform. Or, regardless of all of that, DARPA just knew that there was a law saying gain of function is not allowed, so it doesn't matter whether it works or not, you can't fund it. But in both of those cases... DARPA would be having to recognise that gain of function was a thing, right? Whereas Nick, Nick, Nick is essentially saying it doesn't work. No, but it's worse than that, Iggy. But what they're doing now is they're running with the idea that that was all deliberately placed. And Charles was a bagman bringing forward that bit of information to confound the public um, around this technology. That's correct. That, that's... Right, but, but then, okay... So again, using logic in here, then what benefit has there been of Charles being a sleeper agent for the deep state telling us about gain of function? There's, there's been no benefit because it only makes the situation worse. There's no, it's not a good deflection, is it? To sort of say, uh, you realize we did this, right? To have any of that in the open doesn't make for a good deflection of anything because mm. what, what's it deflecting from? <laughs> well, this was the argument that they tried to make that 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 the public needs to believe that gain of function is real, so that way um, we can fund gain of function research to protect ourselves against other people's gain of function research, which is absolutely ridiculous, because the whole point of the gain of function debate was the question of whether or not it, it was. If people actually go back and listen to all these videos and read all these papers, what they were talking about was a risk-benefit analysis. And they were saying, oh, it's not worth it. Now, I do want to point out that um, the gain of function pause ended, the moratorium ended in December of 2019, December uh, 17th, I'm sorry, December, December 17th of 2017. And the funding call for preempt the preempt program uh, that Diffuse was submitted to DARPA for uh, went out in January on January nineteenth of twenty eighteen. So a month at later. Now, granted, the whole point of that, the reason why that funding call went out, is because there was the potential for gain of function research to be mixed up in it, and. The floodgates had been, the rules had been relaxed. And so that why it was open season again, as far as being able to, to any research that was questionable, that it, it was, it was 
once again allowed or that you could make the proposals once again, which is why the preempt um, in its form went out the way it did. The So there was no moratorium in place when the diffuse proposal was submitted, but it was rejected because there was clear gain-of-function work in the proposal, and EcoHealth Alliance and the other entities that were involved um, made no attempt to mitigate that. In fact, they explicitly said that, they, that even though this looks like gain-of-function, it's not actually gain-of-function. And that's where DARPA said, no, this is gain-of-function, and that's why they were... It wasn't because the moratorium was still in place. So I just want to clarify that. Mm -hmm. um, but, oh, crap, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, um, I, I did notice that Groove Dodger put something. He was literally reading about, um, I didn't I didn't uh, remember all the details of this, but he put up something in the chat that, that talks about how David Cameron, back when he was an MP, in the, and he was underneath the Thatcher government, uh, he was part of a deal that that gave um, they gave nukes to South Africa. <laughs> so, uh, hey, David Cameron under Thatcher, he's too young. Well, he 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 became prime minister in in I'm just ninety seven, right? David David Cameron under Thatcher was like a kind of a spad, wasn't he? He was a, an advisor in her office, I think. Yeah, he was he was younger. I mean, I don't. He I must don't he just, must have been. Fucking fifteen yeah, years old. Younger. Well, he was much younger, but apparently in the late eighties he was involved in. No shit, I didn't know this. Oh. There you go. Yeah, in nineteen eighty nine, David Cameron and others went down to South Africa to carry out some sinister plan. That nukes aren't real, anyway. So, <laughs> well, nukes aren't real either. <laughs> yeah, only six operational nuclear weapons going back to the U.S. for decommissioning. The other three were to be purchased by the British government as a standby mechanism against Saddam. And then magically, oh, the remaining six nukes were destined for travel to, from South Africa to Chicago. Uh, well, anyway, if you read it, basically like an end-around way to to magically have South Africa have nuclear weapons. Um, and, um, using Israel as a... Yeah, I see Israel weapon. in the... <laughs> Look, yeah. man... That you cannot have those people going around, literally, literally in front of everyone's faces, breaking all military laws with respect to proportional response, genociding shit, and not being privy or not being constrained by all these treaties that are, are there to act as guardrails. It's a, it's it blows my mind so the truth and, and people don't talk about it enough in my mind maybe i talk about it too much but um oh well yeah i'm sorry we, we kind of got off topic here and, and groove dodgers like offering some clarifications on that but basically a giant circle jerk between the uk the us israel and south africa um mm. involving nuclear weapons and i can assure you um that on the on the public side and the high side, that uh, that South Africa, South Africa was a known chemical and biological weapons uh, developer, mm. just like the U.S. And, and several other Western and other countries all around the world: North Korea, Iran, Israel, China, etc. So, 
so the fact that that Nick Hudson just it's it's willful ignorance and or in the case of gain of function research um in order to make the entire pandemic a a facade or you know an illusion it requires this this orthodoxy to to JC's bullshit arguments that aren't based in science mm. and and that's ultimately the problem that we have here yeah and, and another issue here has just come up in the chat is mike eden um look again oh yeah big enabler i'm i'm not going to argue with these people about concerns about the tyranny that comes from this technology but claiming that the technology doesn't exist is it's a retard's way of trying to deal with this problem. You just, you're just painting yourself into a corner and you, you, you have no, you've got no actionable response when labs are churning out virus after virus, clone after clone. And it's letting, it's letting the deep state off the hook. Yeah. It's literal suicide. Why, why would we take, the best evidence against the deep state off the table and then pretend that there was no virus and that there was no bioweapons. Like it's just, it is absolutely asinine because once again, what is the main What is the best Avenue of attack? There's multiple now, but what is the best Avenue of attack that we have at the moment? It's to use the biological weapons convention and violations of it mm -mm -mm. in, in us courts. And in international courts, so why? On Which Earth? is what Russia is actually trying to do. They've literally took yes. those claims <laughs> exactly. to the UN, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and Russia has more proof than JC. Mm. So it's it's mind-boggling to me because it's so obvious why the deep state would not want us to go down this road. Mm. So why on earth would we enable that? And because if if JC and Nick Hudson really believe and 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 they're afraid of the encroaching deep state then why would they take 50% of the of the arsenal out of the chamber that mm. when we're trying to go to war to fight against them it's just it's utterly insane mm. uh, it's 50% is being generous to them dude it's literally disarming um well, literally everything yeah, we just... have and I, I i don't know if iggy's um aware of this particular detail about you know diffuse being such a critical document which was and it, it, it well it, it was painful for me because um i really liked mark but it was mark Hustonic who basically started to say that's a fake document fake document it's not real it's planted to act as some decoy and again this sort of lined up charles as being some fed i guess in, in taking the risks and you know the well the objection to the the document was that um it's a photocopy and there's no trackable um, digital oh. identifier on, on on this document, and basically spent months 
harping on at that point. And then, then we get the foyered um, preprint. And I said, to, I had personal conversations with him. And I was like, dude, that grant, if it's got submitted, has had to have gone through grant offices. It has had to have gone through uh, multiple revisions. There will be records of it. And I was saying to him, you should be foyering those documents. But no, instead, what happened was months and months of basically saying Diffuse was a fake plant. <laughs> Again, I'm not entirely sure. To, to what? To trying to say that, or leading towards viruses aren't real, essentially. That's, that's the trajectory of the reasoning there. And then, well, I, oh, I do want to point out that. So the the first part of what you said was he was complaining that there was no that that the digital identifiers didn't make sense. It was a scan of a of a of a paper copy, and and they literally went on for months and months. And once again, the audiences of these different shows have never been exposed to my very simple answer. As soon as somebody asked me the question, like. Because Flo DeBar asked me the same question. Well, why is, why is the, the, the document info all all jaunty, and why does it look like this was scanned? And you know, some of them are at angle. The pages are at angles. I was like, well, you fucking retards. Where did this come? It from? was scanned. The documents, okay. The documents were on a on a top secret. So the the highest level of of, of classification server. That the U.S. has on JRICS, TSSCI, and so very few people—well, relatively very few people. There's a lot of people with TSSCI clearances, but um, so the only way you have to go into a secure facility into a little vault that with big fucking you know door locks and everything. To go into this TSSEI system, and so guess what? You can't just email documents from JWix into your civilian public email. You can't do it. It's an it's an entirely separate, classified, highly controlled network. So, why were these documents scanned? Because Major Murphy had to print off the documents, and the only reason he could legally do so and take them out of the vault, even though people wouldn't have wanted him to do it, the reason he could legally get away with it is because they were unmarked. But nonetheless, he had to print them off of a classified printer and then scan them. There was only two ways after that for me to get the documents. He either had to mail me the paper that he printed, or he then had to take those pages, scan them, and then email them to me, which is what he did. Hence the reason why it was scanned and why it had... had different id information and once again i have i have the original copies that were emailed to me and so i have the information that shows when the scans were were made and it was such a simple basic answer but because he didn't know the answer and wasn't curious and didn't even want to ask me he could have asked me because at the same time shit in september 27th or 25th of 
2022, we we were on stream after Kevin and I were on stream after a Clyde Lewis um, episode, and he came and Mark came on, and at any point along these lines, we could have just discussed. Okay, I, and a simple correction or a simple clarification could have could have led to six months not being wasted going down this rabbit mm -hmm. hole. But instead, what has happened is once they went down that rabbit hole for six months, they didn't want to admit that they were wrong. Mm. And so they just stopped talking to us. And that's just one of a, a, a billion different corrections that, that could have been made. But once again, they do not want their audience, audiences, to have access to that simple, even the simple explanation. Why? Because it undercuts oh. their case. And that's just one out of a, out of a litany of examples that could be used. Uh, but the but the sort of the, the the sort of adherence or the belief in the pandemic hoax argument now is which is sort of you know people are gravitating towards doesn't if, if you think about the broad ramifications of it it lets off way more than just the sort of gain of function people and that level of of um society right it really diminishes literally every form of harm right mm -hmm. because 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 if you if you ignore pro proper if you if you completely get the root cause wrong okay you can't possibly prosecute anywhere near the number of people that need to be prosecuted at all in every realm because because in order to do that you have to say to somebody let's say you're in the medical world and you've fucked up the ventilator treatment right you, you actually have to take that guy and say, why did you believe that it was appropriate to do this, this, and this with the ventilators? And he has to give you his chain of command, chain of information to go back to find his root cause analysis, right? But if you box him, if you box everything down, everybody's root cause analysis stops in the wrong place, right? Mm -hmm. You don't really know where that stops at the moment. If you say this is a hoax, you don't really know the, the full picture of the limitation or the lim the new limited picture but if you keep gain of function in play and you keep um bioweapons in play you're 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 at least keeping the picture broader so that you're not ruling stuff out and you're not ruling out people that may not even fully figure yet right mm. that may come to light in the future but if you shut those things down now, you are doing far more damage to humanity over the long, the medium and long term than you can possibly imagine, mm -hmm. right? Now, I can work this out just by thinking about what are the ramifications of shutting down targets, right? And, and keeping targets off your kill list. Mm -hmm. You've fucked up the war, haven't you? You've fucked the war up, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. You, you want every target on the fucking table until you have actively ruled them out. And then yep. we haven't done that. Yep. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, there, are, there are people that I was previously in contact with now who, who are going into this pandemic's hoax theory. And, 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 I'm, and I'm just thinking this doesn't make logical sense for you to do this. Right. Because why? What are you afraid of? Right. You, you don't. Do you want? Are, are you intellectually trying to sort of be the first to get a hypothesis that everybody then accepts is the answer right is that what you're doing because that doesn't help anyone 
having that kind of attitude doesn't help, right? Because you actually might find that 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 nobody ever really gets to the bottom of this. But we got to, we 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 did prove a lot of people did a lot of bad shit, and we managed to get quite a few of them into court. You know, that's a that's a more honourable goal than trying to say I worked everything out. And then in order to work everything out, I actually had to falsely frame everything so that I could say this is everything. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's writ large in just it's 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 kind of funny how that how, how it's aggregating together, how that network is sort of resolving itself and coming into view. And it's a bit off tangent example, but um, there's this. So Henjin, I don't know if you know who Henjin is, but um, he's he's our Finnish sniper. And um, there's just this back and forth between ethical skeptic and Henjin because ethical skeptic is putting out charts, etc., but keeping his code um close to his chest with respect to how he's doing the analysis and you know i i can see the reasons why i would prefer that it was all transparent but um basically th- there was this discussion about um new zealand because new zealand was basically acts as a very very good control case because they had lockdown or lockdown borders such that it was very difficult to get into the country. And so they had zero excess deaths. And the vaccines came out, then the excess deaths increased. And the, well, there was just one person trying to make the argument that um, this. I, I found it a bit of a convoluted mm. set of reasoning, but um, the the vaccines didn't cause harm in this instance because um, the essentially they were deployed before the borders are opened, and then when the borders opened, the uh, the death rates went up. And look, I'm not I don't buy that argument particularly, but. Um, I've got a hocket, right? Um, she uh, yes. she comes in and says, and because there's a there's an increase in all cause mortality that coincides essentially with opening of borders and essentially the exposure. Well, again, it's, you've got a mix of variables there, and I f- I find all of that data um, messy and um, open open to many interpretations just just because of the nature of it but the point i was trying to get to is she can't believe that there would be an increased cause mortality associated with the opening of borders and the virus essentially doing the rounds in new zealand and we see this uh and well like i say it was an odd I didn't know the person who was doing the thing. I don't know how it ended up in my feed. I was just interested in how he was doing the analysis and um, and, and she just a- appeared in it, tracking this um, data that but basically 
dismantles her thesis, which is no one died from COVID, right? And I was, <laughs> there's this, like I say, there's this amalgamation of these individuals. You could, you could say that Panda acts like a hub for that now. And there's, they're, they're scouring um, the the internet and basically, you know, sort of, look, there's nothing wrong with sort of challenging data and asking questions, et cetera. But um, it, it was the, um, the, the, the tenor of her tweet was that this data must be faked, right? Because um, it's impossible that there would be um, any deaths associated with COVID. And well, well correct. It's, it's all about um, conforming because there, there remains a, a solid and dedicated group of people of whom, you know, I like to think of myself and Kevin and drastic and, you know, Jakey and people like that. There remains a core group of people who are open to many interpretations and are continuing to dig through the evidence and the data that emerges. And we're open to adjusting um, our perspective as new information becomes available. And we have, all of us have at different times, um, adjusted our positions based upon new evidence. And, but there's also a lot of people, uh, there's a much larger number in the resistance of people who, for whatever reasons, whether nefarious or benign, um, just through lack of understanding or whatever, there's a, mu a much larger proportion of the resistance has stopped looking at the data. They've, they've come to reach whatever conclusions they've reached, and, they're, and, and this they've, they've put the brakes on and s slowly just started focusing on building their case with the evidence that supports their preferred you know, agenda for whatever reason it is. And what was insulting to me, I'm, I'm actually going to have to get off here in just a minute. Mm -hmm. So I'll kind of close my own uh, perspective with this. What's been insulting to me is that people have made this claim about myself. When I've created the largest database and resource, the documents and articles and et cetera, across a variety of different topics, um, in my Excel file, it's, it's public. And I've updated it uh, a dozen times over the course of three years. And now it's got, you know, 3,000 sources or whatever it is. But what people don't seem to understand is that it's not like I've taken a particular side. Because what I do is I always, if I have an argument, I also provide the evidence on the other side. So I've got all the Zunati articles on there. I've got all the origin articles on there that are relevant. I've got stuff that's in between and I label them according to the bias of the author because there's a, you know, half of them are just generic, but then the other half are people who are, are lab origin leaning or they're natural origin leaning, which is fine. But I present all of it after I've read all of it and I continue to build that. And as a consequence, I see both sides or, or each of the many sides of the different arguments. And that's the way it's supposed to be. 
And so when I, when people say that I'm building a narrative, when I've gone out of my way to create a public uh, repository of data from all sides of these different arguments, simply because as a historian, I know how important it is, how easy it is to only present certain things in a way that um, is favorable to some desired outcome. I don't have a desired outcome except for the truth. And it's sad that that's incredibly rare, but I don't have a scientific background that makes me think, oh, I need to protect some interests or some friends of mine who work in this field or that field. I don't care about that shit. I'm from the military and I leaked documents from DOD. Mm. Like I, I don't, so I'm not, I'm not sure what I have to prove, what else I have to do to, to prove that. But at the same time, I don't care. That's, that's not my job, but my goal, it, it's insulting to, to see when Nick Hudson comes out and says, Oh, well, based on the data that we collected up to the first 18 months of the pandemic, we now think that everything is a sham. Okay. Well, well, that's wrong. And anyway, I'll close with this because I think this is this is the best nodling uh, pu um, posted this about six hours ago. And I think this is the best, most simple response to Nick Hudson's uh, post. He says, gene drives aren't real because economies should be centrally controlled. Climate is dictated by a single molecule. Truth is the preserve of authorities. Blah, 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 straw man. Straw man, Traman, ramen, ramen noodles are good. <laughs> there you go. I rest my case. Anyway, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up, dude, and I'll um, give you a call. Do you want me to call you back in a minute? Well, yeah, you can. You can keep going for a little while. It's not like a huge rush, but okay. I, I just need to get off now. Okay. So okay. you, you can keep going. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we were sort of laying a lot of um, like the inside gossip there, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm conscious that, like, I say you've you've had enough, basically, of um, this contretemps, I guess, <laughs> between between groups, right? Because yeah, it, and I was going to say it's it's a good. You should probably explain why, right, and. Because I, I I agree with you on on, on this particular issue, and we can yeah. Look, I just think that the, that the simplest way I can look at this is that if you think about the life suck that it is to pay attention to any of this stuff, and considering that the huge amount of it is still relatively theoretical, as people a lot of people are just still arguing the toss about what might be because the system doesn't want to release information about what actually is any quicker than it has to. So, but, but four years on, essentially, people still are toing and froing, right? So the, you have to come up with other ways of measuring people's um, validity and whether or not they deserve your attention. And the only way I can work out is an effective measure is who is doing anything that drives towards direct actions in the real world that have meaning? Okay, if people are not willing to weaponize their knowledge and information, they're a waste of time, right? Mm. Because all they are is theorists engaging in 
intellectual onanism at best, right? Mm. And the, basically, the only people I know that are doing this that I've paid attention to, you know, are very small in number. I mean, for example, you're doing your work uh, trying to um, investigate the prions. Kevin McKinnon has proven that the vials are fucked. Julian Gillespie is running the Australian case, which is fundamental about definition of genetic um, modified organisms and the regulatory structure. And if that case happens in Australia, it ports directly to the EU and Britain. Mm. Now, what you should be aware of is that despite the fact that Gillespie's work ports to those two other massive territories, nobody's picked his work up and just said, oh, great, you've done most of the work. We just need to adapt it slightly. Right? They haven't done that. Why not? Like, why would you not want to do that, right? Um, so, so basically, he's that tells you something about the risk that people perceive in the case, right? And also, probably vested interests. So, fear and vested interests are, are two factors in that. Which means that what Julian Gillespie is doing in Australia is even more risky because he's actually going up. He's he's lone. They're, they're lone yeah. wolfing it as a team, mm-hmm. going up against global fucking system of suppression right mm. in a case that has already had fundamental parts of it already admitted by the government they've the regulators have admitted their gene therapies right yeah. um i, I just so, like to i just like to add that uh yeah. it, it was me that got them the cold chained in date sealed samples yeah. that, that yeah. they could actually say that that managed to sweep away the objection that our the vials were um used etc you can't trust anything in them and no that that result was there and um it stands and um yeah that that's forensic evidence in this instance and it bears repeating that you're the you're you actively exploded the bullshit myth of graphene oxide in the vials right Mm. it's fundamental to clear that up because there's so many people that were going down that road just randoms and you know waves of random people and and some scientists going down this road, peddling mm. shit at each other, right? Mm. And and you know the negative result is as important as the positive result. So mm. it's uh, so I only give shits about the people who are doing things, right? And once you start looking at who is doing stuff, there's so few in number that you can just switch all the other noise off. And then mm. and then what you end what I, what I end up doing is occasionally looking at people who are trying to disrupt the people who are taking action because they're putting noise back into the system. And that tells you something about their integrity. Mm-hmm. And I would have to point out, I would classify at the moment, Nick Hudson's bizarre, in, in imprecise, poorly formed take on gain of function efficacy as a, as a significant piece of injected noise. And I just sort of think that it looks poorly formed. And basically the more we analyzed it, and more we looked at it, or more, more I thought about it, and then we, you and I talked about it. The more I thought, it, it doesn't look just ham-fisted, because you then get get into questions of motive. Mm. You can't be stupid, so stupid that you make logical errors like this, and such a long false list, right? Without willing, without basically having an agenda to actively manipulate perception. Yeah. So you know, I just think on that basis, I I dismiss it and uh, treat it with degrees of contempt, particularly considering he won't answer any technical questions around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, a, a lot of these people have money that they could have put towards funding 
direct research, right? It wasn't like the skill set wasn't available to them, right? And I can think of a whole bunch of people that fit into that category, yet are still going around milking this particular issue and not moving the ball forward. And um, look, man, if you're not working towards getting data and, and you're right, it's a kind of intellectual onanism and arguing about angels on pins, right? Heads of pins. Um, it's, it's irrelevant if it's not data driven and these people are not data driven now. And like I say, I've, I see such sloppy work being put forward. Like I say, you know, it was hilarious to me to watch Denny Rancor. And again, he got, he got signal boosted ridiculously when anyone with any competence, technical competence at looking at his algebra and the graphs that he's presenting um, can just pull it apart in minutes. Um, and seeing that pushed around, and now he's actively pushing Bimbo Bailey from, I think they're New Zealand, right? Um, Sam Bailey and and of no viruses. So again, this it's it's been a really effective um, way of controlling groups of people. I mean, I I have to sort of sit back in awe at how it's done, and um, the. Well, at the same time, just the the physical, literal blocks that get put, that have been put in my way, <laughs> that, um, you know, but I don't think, you know, once you start getting debanked and services pulled from you, um, and freaking out every every type of um, refusal from the corporate structure, most people would would have probably, um given up and that's it and i don't see those people coming across those types of obstacles very rarely they may lose a youtube channel right and it's i say it's impressive how they're able to garner crowds still and like I say, I'm very, very suspicious of Mike Eden right now. Okay, why is that? Because he's basically saying that respiratory viruses are not possible and um, infection can't happen via breathing in um, infectious viruses. And so, right? Uh, okay, well, he wasn't saying that at the beginning, was he? And he, and he, and his field was that with. Pfizer. So he was an allergy um, developmental or researcher, um, like asthma and that type of thing. And and so I have to question then. Well, yeah, there's someone from Pfizer who's deep within that corporate structure, 
who's essentially come out, acted as a sort of Pied Piper character, and now pulled, again, a significant number towards viruses don't exist, sequencing is fairy dust, and we can't make manipulations at the at this molecular level. Um, it's it's still running very very strong, and so th- all the good messaging that he has about how predatory the bureaucracy and the the, the governments and the apex governors behind it oh, gets that message gets ruined in this. Because there's there's just going to be, you know, people are going to have enough wherewithal and enough people know and have experience with the biology and the science, etc., to just be able to pull that down such that it always remains a little ghetto on the internet. And but it's it's a it's a corrosive. Yeah, it's corrosive ideation, and um, it's, I don't know, I don't want to sort of pathologize too much, but I, I think a lot of it is that people, people are, it, it's scary to think about what this type of technology means, right? And so it's it's kind of psychologically it's easier to have the comfort blanket of oh it's not real they're just they're just spoofing us with all that infrastructure and research and papers and none of it's real and uh, we don't have to worry about it and like 4 years in and it's taken 4 years to get to the point where I can move forward to test properly. Um, that's uh, I get angry. I think about it too much. Well, look, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to move past that. You're making progress in, in your way, aren't you? And, um, just have to, well i mean it's been interesting that we all all three of us sort of seem to have come to this very quickly come to this conclusion about this particular message that we started talking about about gain of function you know efficacy mm. and and i have a different way of looking at it as you and charles and yet we still arrive at the same place and mm-hmm. i think that's telling you know i'm mainly logic with some knowledge a bit of knowledge and um linguistic critique uh, are, the, are the kind of place things that get me to the place i'm at mm. whereas you have more specific knowledge and science science under, scientific well, I, understanding and still get there so all of that every good research project will have multiple convergent lines that pull together to where you know the data is strongest right if you if you've done it right and that's that's what i see and like I say, there's that there becomes less and less people holding to that particular line, and I, I like I say, I'm, I'm 
I think a lot of it is just that they don't want to think about the fact that oh, that there are there are people out there who would be thinking about this type of technology to, to you know to in, inflict harm um and it's being done it's being done with the power and resources of state actors in this instance and I, and you know i'm convinced that there's a um a power structure behind that as i said earlier that um as governments use corporations within their um borders this power group is able to use countries in the same manner and you know this well this then leads to this point about well if we take them at their word about population decimation for what they see as uh, existential risk then that they achieved it they 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 that act was you could fit that idea into what occurred over this last four years yeah yeah and 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 you and i were talking about this before it's probably worth just summarizing this and repeating it quickly for the people listening so they 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 just we we complete a loop of logic here mm. so you and i were saying that if you if you um go back to the bioweapons angle the first stage of it is that you create something that create you create the pathogen which gives you the excuse to apply the countermeasure agent in this case the vaccine and, and if the vaccine is carrying the the real weapons payload or the second weapons payload that completes the weapon right mm. so if we if we then go go back and say well if we ignore gain of function and we eradicate gain of function we're actually destroying the bioweapons argument because you're saying that a the virus is not the first stage of a weapon and b therefore the vaccine or the gene therapy cannot be the second part of the bioweapon mm. and, and that's that's dangerous to 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 eradicate that possibility is dangerous right mm -hmm. why would you want what you, you don't want to eradicate that by on a false basis you want to eradicate it only by experimentally proving it out right mm -hmm. yep whereas nixon doing that he is trying to eradicate it from your mind and tell you not to look over there at that thing mm. at all that is not uh valid as far from everything that i've looked at everything i've seen you can't rule out that this hasn't been mm. either either deliberately constructed by somebody with seriously machiavellian approach to things right mm. or that has basically it has basically come about by some pretty misguided vir virology which then gave other actors an opportunistic moment to capitalize at high speed for very skewed incentives largely money and power which they did it so quickly it's unleashed damaging um secondary effects right mm. but both of those really end up in the same place the question is um you know motive is 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 a big differentiator and then charles charles points out that when when we're talking about the bioweapons angle 
it's not just about assuming that it was always created as bioweaponry. Mm. But if you don't have the perspective of maybe it wasn't created deliberately as a bioweapon, but if we don't do analysis as if it was a bioweapon, we miss analysis, mm-hmm. right? You have to, you know, you have to tolerate both. It was, it was a deliberate bioweapon or it wasn't, but we can still consider has this acted as a bioweapon, mm. even if it wasn't intended to be. Because when you look at it through that lens, you then are able to analyze retroactively all of the policy approaches, right? And you say, well, okay, look, is there a way that we can create better policy that means that even if you didn't deliberately release a bioweapon, the thing that you were doing that fucked up couldn't be couldn't have the same effects as a bioweapon in the end, right? Because we had all these extra checks and balances in that eradicated the possibility. And that's the double sort of the double angle, the 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 two the two sides of the bioweapons argument that I see from Charles what Charles and you have said mm. about it. Yep. And Nick, it just it puts all of that to a side and says, it just don't look here. And mm. I don't think that's healthy at all. No, it's uh, it's incredibly irresponsible. And the, the simple fact is, is if they, when you think back of what happened and the fact that they could get so many people and you have to, why this particular approach? Why, why the gene transfection approach where we, you know, the nonsense about it being able to stay, it just stays in the arm. What's the matter with you? And we know that's not true. Um, and billions of people got lined up and exposed. And I'm stuck with that Dennis Moore in my mind talking about, well, the reduction needs to be as painless and as meritocratic as possible. Well, that that's what that was. That fits all their criteria. And so we should, we should be, you know, I was, I kind of sort of had hope around, oh, they're trying to do, do testing, you know, genetic testing. That's what they're interested in. But, once, once it was confirmed that that S1 segment was prion catalyzing, th- to me that changed everything, right? The, and like I say, all we have at the moment is in vitro studies which show the conversion. But I have, I have to just presume at the moment Billions of people just got exposed to what is essentially, well, you read any of the literature and it's, it's a lethal pathway. And the, it gets worse because there's this issue of it doesn't stay constrained within the person who got exposed. If you missed out or dodged the vaccine shot, you're still going to get exposed to these prions just because they come out in feces, body fluids, shedding from skin, sweat. And I keep harping on about it now, but the, cl- the closest analog that we have in the real world 
is the chronic wasting disease in deer. And that, and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of data coming out because the technology has moved forward with just being able to um, detect the prion in this instance. It's not, it's not a straightforward process to do. But um, they've made significant moves in that direction and it's, it's, it's essentially like a sort of PCR type reaction. You can start with a very small sample and um, run through a bunch of cycles and you, you, if you have the prion there, it'll, it'll detect it. And in this instance, you've essentially exposed half the population of the planet to this prion catalyzing element. And now they're going to be exposing the rest of the people as they begin to develop and shed these prions. And there's a real concern there in my mind because if if you thought it was bad during COVID, the rules that they will bring in, should they start saying, oh my God, we've got a developing transmissible spongiform disease occurring. That, and it's spreadable. The literature is pretty clear on this now, right? That it, common surfaces, you can pick up an infective dose in the femtogram range of common surfaces. So essentially it's, um, there's, there's the only way you would, be able to sort of avoid it is you would you would have to know that you'd avoided any contact and then you'd sequ you you sequester yourself so that there's no human contact for a few generations and, and but in that process authoritarian crackdown could be effect caused by the amyloid or prion that can trip the cell into a cancer form. And so if, if the numbers start building in that direction, and for all, all the data that we've looked at, what you don't see, right, you've got the excess deaths. And what you should get is you should get a significant drop in all-cause mortality because you've burned through the weakest in the population, right? And it hasn't done that. And you can look at the UK figures, and the UK figures are striking in the numbers of young who are dying. It's running 15 to 20%. It's 55 to kids, kids' age. And I don't know if they if they would. I don't know. It's a sort of game theory type question, right? Is it, if well, even if they didn't know, would would they would they announce it and say that there is this problem, or do they just keep trying to um, cover it up? This I don't know, but I, I'm legit concerned about them because they have the tracking now right they can do this amplification so the the breadwinner of the family who's 
working age, reproductive age, dies of, um, <laughs> quote unquote, died suddenly, and they start checking, oh, there's an amyloid issue. That means that that household is for sure contaminated. You got to shut that household down. They'll do track and trace, and they will, again, you know, the. It's very difficult to eradicate these toxic peptides. They just linger. They don't. Um, they don't break down. Um, you've got to use very strong agents to get them, and you, you just have to miss a little bit. And then, and then, what are we going to have? We're going to have the same thing of um, prions aren't real. As uh, as the jackboot comes down this time, it's a stupid weak spot to put yourself in. Whereas, it, from my perspective, better to know. And then, when they do start, if they start doing that, they might they might just be all hands off now and better to let chaos percolate through the system war supply chain collapse you can't the numbers of incapacitated keep increasing which the data seems to show pretty consistently um and you just you just let that run its course every every option here that isn't good I suppose, I, I suppose then you could say, well, you might as well just take the Nick Hudson approach and just think none of it's real. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, okay. So the we, we also, you and I were also speaking before about how if you if you delay the onset of the of a of a bioweapons effect, you create essentially increasing plausible deniability that a weapon ever went off mm. so what you don't want to do is you don't want to kill everyone the moment you drop the bomb because everybody then knows you dropped the bomb you mm. want to drop the bomb have no impact or a very small one which which you can just say that's nothing to do with it and then eventually over time the the effects come out in a number of different ways over an extended period of time which allows you to claim it was something caused by something else mm. and so you know we are looking at even if you take the prion argument away from this you're already looking at and this is this is this was I, I never needed the prions to work this out as soon as you understand that there's an autoimmune effect and the the autoimmune effect i immediately worked out from just looking at the basic level of explanation of how the gene therapies work, I said, well, if it does this in a host cell, it releases a an, an antigen protein, which can attach to the outside of the cell wall, which then marks the cell as foreign, which then introduces, invites a, an immune response, essentially what, what is technically an autoimmune response, right? Mm. You're destroying your own cells. All that needs to happen is that that happens in a critical amount in a critical tissue type for you to start doing yourself damage whether that's in the brain or the eye optic nerve or wherever mm -hmm. so i was thinking right fuck this i'm not taking it um and now if you don't go down the prion road that autoimmune effect could cause 
you to get gangrene, right? Or it could cause clotting, or it could cause a stroke, or it could cause kidney failure, or it could cause all sorts of other things. Mm. Now, what happens, the presentation is only the symptoms. So you go and get diagnosed a year later and say, you've had a stroke at 30, Mm. or you've had a stroke at 18, okay, or you've got myocarditis, or you've got this. And everybody's going, well, what causes this? And then you create artificial reasoning for mm. why kids in myocarditis or your or why people are getting cancer at 27 right mm. and you're just creating an art completely artificial things which go nowhere near root cause and that's exactly what we're seeing now and that's without prions right mm-hmm. so if prions if prions are the game right and prions are the consistent big problem that don't materialize fully for five years in most people that's a perfect weapon yep. right for achieving what you just described as the meritocratic reduction of um the populace but the thing as well is about this and this is kind of in this story that i wrote baseliners is that what you don't want if you're trying to kill everyone right you don't want them to know that you're trying to kill everyone and the only time you want them to realize is when it's too late well what does too late look like too late looks like all of them having been killed, right? But as they're dying, they're too weak to fight. So they come to the realization, they wake up from their delusions of being okay mm. into a living nightmare. Yeah. But instead of being able to act out their anger and their nihilism and direct it at whoever's left, they can't because they're too wasted. Well, prions would deliver that to you, mm. right? As would many other forms of chronic long-term illness right it's interesting because the the the, one of the last papers i read this this week this xeno um paper specifically talks about that that these sequences are involved in a whole bunch of critical autoimmune disorders like lupus and um and just uh, again a converging line and picked out that same epitope as as what's catalyzing the prion protein and i i can't believe it's just too too perfect (laughs) to um it it has design written all over it with specific intent but also look at the you know from from the sequencing of the um, of the gene therapies, mm. the SV40 promoter in either one or two inserts, mm. okay? Well, well, so it's never been admitted until somebody actually went and looked for it. Mm-hmm. And then it's never been discussed, even though it's been found, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's, nobody's addressing that formally. Why not? Because they don't want to, because there's something dodgy. That's not an accident, right? Is it? It's not an accident to have an SV40 promoter in there. Mm, it's it's even less of an accident to have two of them in there. Mm. And the, and if, as as Kevin McKinnon points out, if that basically means that this shit goes, it has much higher chance of entering your nucleus where it can potentially integrate with your DNA, right? Mm. That is that is not accidental because the thing was designed by man, right? The, the the gene therapy was designed by man. You can argue the toss all day about the virus, but the the gene therapy is purely artificial. 
Mm. And this is insane to sort of try to shut down the bigger suspicion, which is that there's orchest- deep orchestration, right? Mm. Until you have absolute fervent proof that there is no orchestration. Mm. But all of these, all of these, or any attempt to shut down the, the the investigation is 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 this should be treated with with con- suspicious contempt, right? Mm-mm-mm. And and even if um, a person is misguidedly trying to just project their ego, making an ego-driven intellectual error, right? They should be treated with exactly the same level of suspicious contempt as a person you believe is doing it for, on purpose for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, just yeah. no need to do the distinction. Yeah, it's, you it's... don't need to cut anyone any slack. You just cruelly go to them and say, "Put your money where your mouth is," and expand at the same time explain why you are taking such a strong attack. If you can't do this, I'm going to treat you as an agent. Is mm. essentially how I would approach it. Yeah, and you know I've. Well, I've got a reputation for just being um, difficult with people, let's say. Um, but I'm I'm at this point where I'm just like, yeah, I'm everyone's suspect now. If if you're not if you're not trying to answer these questions, the the scientific questions, right, which have been laid out as a consequence, and like you say, of of man's actions. Um, there's there's something there's something wrong with you there's something um you're not functioning right and whether that's a subconscious desire just to again put your head in the sand to not face what it is you're now Mm. becoming an impediment and you should you know there's no need to beat around the bush you just get them out of the way and um crack on um but i mean if if you think about the corollary of these things right in the present day political situation that's dominating continental europe the uk and mainland usa Mm. the forward extrapolation over the next five to ten years is very simple right Mm. if if this is going to damage society permanently you've got three major outcomes right one is that people die stochastically throughout every single layer of society well before their time, right? Which means that you are literally looking at the rapid collapse of society and every function in it, because what you don't understand, and you don't understand it till you see it, is what are the critical masses of human populations who are involved in work that need to be there for the network at the size that we have now to mm. deliver me my shit that I need to eat, drink, live, heat, and all of the basic functions. I've got no idea how big that network needs to be in the UK to get, or, or any other country in Europe or America to get the stuff I want, right? Mm. But when you start taking out 10% of people, does the network still keep going? Or 20% of people, does it still keep going? How many people before it collapses? And if it's stochastic, exactly, we don't know. I've tried to sort of weight that calculation. And the the closest I can sort of come to is basically the military equations, which is that if they lose 20% in combat operations, 
the unit is essentially considered it, it would be rotated out right and they would or the, the, they would have to get replacements in otherwise they're not combat effective so 20 percent seems to be that um magic number and i don't know i don't know if that's sort of related to the predo principle right where there's this 80 mm. 20 rule mm. but um we, we do see those numbers and again you know i i'm i'm at the point where i still don't know definitively which which one is the causal agent in these deaths I, i'm highly suspicious of the vaccines just because it's it's been slammed past immune barriers and been done multiple times and so that holds the strongest suspicion to me but um we don't know for sure and we don't know what the additive effects are of vaccine exposure plus exposure to and getting reinfection and again it, you know 20% of your truck drivers suddenly aren't turning up for work. Then I, I don't know, I, how quick does that cascade through the system? Exactly, yeah. Right, so, so, so now just, so if it's stochastic as well, you could actually end up in a situation where, say, for example, a nuclear power station suddenly loses within mm. the space of a year and a half 35% of its workers yeah. right because it just randomly got a bigger hit than than the average normalization normalized distribution curve mm. well that would mean holy shit we can't possibly train enough people to replace that bigger loss so the whole fucking nuclear power station drops offline mm -mm. or gas plant station or whatever right yep so, so so suddenly you've got this really disproportionate pocket effect uh, uh, something as fundamental as energy supply mm. which then which then doesn't need any more people to die in order for society as a whole to take a gigantic hit, mm. right? Mm. Because that's the nature of the problem of strategic importance of stuff in your network, right? Mm. Nobody appreciates it until it isn't there, right? And then you can't recover it. Well, because this, this isn't a This is why I think we have to be very um, circumspect of just the geopolitical um, picture that's emerging. Right, because that could be the straw that really breaks the camel's back in this instance, right? Because again, you know, we've seen we've seen how well they shut down the passage through Egypt, Suez, right? Um, that didn't take much to do that. Um, just the threat, really. It's not like they were landing. And sinking ships by the dozen um and so that that's caused a pretty major ripple through well again um it, it's everything right <laughs> everything moves essentially by sea right so um and then that that takes a hit then the workers within that type of infrastructure go as well um and then you then you you run smack into the carrying capacity of 
each particular country, right? How much food can Britain actually make versus what it imports versus population? Correct, yeah. And, and, and what's the lead time on changing that dynamic? It's a, it's it's more than a season, right? Mm. Because because you would have to reallocate land. You'd have to force people to accept that the land usage change, right? You'd have to at least force people who owned land to start growing more food on it. Then you'd have to show people the system by which to grow food, and then basically you would end up showing them the most complicated, capital intensive one, because that's all the government knows. Whereas there's actually far more simplistic zero you know low low input regenerative ag is what you really should be pushing in in the world but they wouldn't do that so you would have all of this bizarre top heavy farming setup that you would then need skills to to do you'd need a track guy who could drive heavy machinery all this crap right instead of doing it the other way around and going for the simple stuff you wouldn't they wouldn't be able to do it so you would have this huge lag to try to recover the food supply so in the meantime people would die from starvation, yep. right? Mm. Because even if they weren't dying of the shots, right? And that would be the same for energy. You would get people dying of cold just because of the cold, mm. not because they had any other vulnerability, mm. right? Mm. So you have all of these, that second order effect, right? But then there's another, there's another layer to this. Imagine all of the structures that you require, right? Nominally require in a society. You need fire, you need police, you need um, the ambulance service, you need doctors, right, mm. and nurses if they are shit, right? You still need that, right? Mm. And you as an individual never think about that until you need those things, right? Mm -hmm. Now take 10 or 20% out of them, okay, out of all of those things, right, and you're going, holy shit. But then add in the fact that your country has got a massive uh, illegal immigration problem. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's that applies the board, lack of border control in the US, mm. the the effect of Brexit allowing meaning that we are now a primary target for illegal immigration and our government's allowing it as well here. And mm. then you've got all of the illegal immigration and refugee action across the whole of EU, the EU because of what we've created with wars and everything else. Right. Yeah. So you've got now you've got now essentially an inability for the security services to to curtail or contain any of those movements of people once those people are inside the country they are under economic stress instantly because they're refugees asylum seekers and illegal immigrants mm. so their behaviors are skewed into things that you don't necessarily want them to be doing there will be um, strain poverty and resultant criminality you're just seeing that in the us massively now right mm, mm, mm. and you're seeing parts of the uk and really you're seeing it across europe sweden's now just degenerated into like this gangland mm -hmm. um problems across because of this stuff right mm. but everybody knows that if you're a criminal right if you if you literally want to contain engage in criminal behavior one of the ways that you've got a higher chance of getting away with it is by doing it lots all at once right mm. because if the police can't cover more than a certain amount of criminal activity at once you're going to get away your your chances of getting away with it go up right mm -hmm. so those things will just be radically exacerbated and you'll end up in a situation where you're going fuck me the law just doesn't exist in this country anymore why because our police have died off right 
and there are people who basically are were becoming introverted by trying to deal with our own little collapsing worlds whilst a load of other people keep entering the country who are running rampant and mm. they and that's actually a faster exacerbation of the problem right mm. so you've got all of this to look forward to and nobody's actually talking about how you get a proper handle on it because they're not looking at root cause which is essentially um the possible accelerated collapse of society mm. as, as bleak as that sounds right you either you either think ahead about it and then put in place things that protect you if it happens or you don't do anything and then you're permanently behind the ball all the time forever when it starts happening mm. yeah and um, look you don't have to look hard to find those triad traits at the top again that would um look to basically benefit from any any and all of this and and i think that that's you know this was something again that we were speaking about earlier and i just think um the, the particularly the western hemisphere the influence of messianism of all flavors is just a, a powder keg waiting to go off and and so to see well, you know, <laughs> a, a, a real-time, um, hyper-real genocide taking place in that land and the pressure that causes as well. Um, I, 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 it's hard for me to think that it, it's not linked right if if you because you've got to start thinking about well okay it's hybrid warfare what are they aiming for and then the people at the top if that you've got to take into account their eschatological framework and if it's messianic of whatever form and they they literally believe that they've got to they've got to implement this to get their divine plan and and I, I find it odd because it, it's not so apparent here in the East, right? I mean, the East has its own problems, but um, that, you know, I've, I've spoke about this before, it's just, it took me a while just to realize of getting out of the Western hemisphere, the sort of Anglo-Euro sphere, to realize still how much that, I guess we call it philosophy, but you know the the what imbues the culture still, um, how it plays into that your the cycles that you that seem to happen with what do they call it mowing the grass in Israel, right? Um, and it's Well, yeah, I, I, like I said, my my concern at watching what's happening and the the placating of that well slaughter, right? And f- from what I can tell, I've had to I've had to stop looking so much at that newsfeed. I couldn't just I couldn't take the images of dead kids 
just be, you know, being splattered up against uh, walls. I mean, I I can watch the Ukraine stuff to try and keep an eye on that. I still think there's a price to pay for your soul for watching each one of those kill videos. But the the kids getting blasted to pieces, man, were oh man, some something's gone wrong, dude. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, look, we're we we're going through a cycle, aren't we? Human mm. human human societies go through cycles. I'm no expert, but you know, collapse and violence go together, don't they? Yeah. And um, you know, if some people take that as the opportunistic moment to sort of begin their phoenix rise from the flames, which I think is part of one part of what is at play here, mm. then then in a cycle of violence, you know, their violent uprising is what you're looking at, right? Mm. Now, personally, my view is that we are looking at the self-destructive act of that. I, I, I do believe that the violence here is so on display in real time for no good reason, right? None of, none of the rationale holds water now. Mm. And most of the world general population sort of chimes with this right they, they're going there we, we, most people seem to not buy this right mm. um because the violence is too great and they haven't been able to suppress all of the footage even if the suppression in the mainstream press is actually shockingly bad you know shockingly strong right there's still mm. a lot of people seeing it in a lot of other channels mm -hmm. for the time being mm. and i actually think that in 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 the near term this is much more self-destructive for Zionism than it is beneficial. But exactly how it plays out in the end, I don't know. I've got ideas about how it's going to play out, but you know, it's not. It's off, off out of scope. I'm not really bothered about. Sort mm, of yeah, but this is again. This is where um, you know, if they're if they're driven by this type, you know, this messianic thinking, they they do have to kick off at some point, right? That's it's baked into the the cake. Um, but if we if we if we factor in the gene therapies, you know, Israel is one of the most highly dosed, earliest dosed places on the planet. But so if they've if they've actually used the faulty products, what are they? What problems are they storing up for themselves? Have they though? This is so. This is so. There's one really weird data point, right? Which is the only country that showed increase in birth rates during the pandemic, uh, yeah. it was Israel. Everyone else was dropping or, or basically static. And, you know, it's those types of data points that I'm just like, mm, you know, you've got to. Now, you know, do you, you know, I, what can we do? Nothing. Apart from sort of sitting here trying to sift through the data and say, okay, that looks problematic. We need to pay pay attention to that. In terms of the actions that's been initiated, we're far away and we're all we're all we're gonna be subject to is the ripple effect as potentially the that region sort of gets into conflagration. And um the stupid thing is, is that 
where Russia could have been a sort of hedge against some of the chaos of that region, right? Because they have such a long border with it, right? Um, instead, we've gone to war with them. And there's no other way of putting that. That's, it, that's what we've done. That's very, you know, it wasn't plucky Ukrainians deciding to, uh, that That was a um, instigated, well-planned, not, I won't say well-planned, highly planned um, push by, again, you know, globalist expansionist forces, etc. And, you know, as we, as we were talking about, it, they had a list of things that they're going to go through, right, in order to execute a, <laughs> a crazy, the crazy plans with all the red string connecting everything. But if that's what's happened, Right, and so they've done the meritocratic culling, and then comes all of that's initiated, and you know some of it doesn't go their way, and but the end result is still um, accelerated system collapse. Um, I don't, know. I don't, I don't know how much food Japan grows. You could probably get rice portions rationed, I think, depending on the population. Um. Japan is highly dependent on fuel imports. Doesn't it's not energy independent. Maybe if they span up the nuclear reactors again, they might be able to. But um, it's it's it, we would feel the impact here quite a bit. I think that culturally, I think they would handle it better than say Britain would. The the disruption. Just because the the culture is more cohesive and it's more homogeneous. Yeah, I mean, but Britain is full of riddled with total incompetence. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, just look at the pandemic. Mm. It's it completely incompetent. Even the things that they wanted to do weren't done effectively. They, you know, and that was with constant bombardment of nonsense TV propaganda, right? Mm -mm -mm. Just. It's just garbage. So uh, I don't have any high hopes for any um, effective effective management of decline. It will be because because basically why right? You you if you were the authority power, all of your power increases inside a time of chaos. Why? Because basically what you do is you say to people. Like you allow chaos to build, and then you say the only way we can deal with this chaos now is with this draconian measure, with this authoritarian measure, with this totalitarian measure, mm. and it's for your good. Which is exactly the method of, of 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 management that was in COVID, right? You start to create a chaos um, scenario, whether that's real or otherwise, or fermented, and it was partially, it was largely fermented because you can see that in the if definite change of policy where they just threw the flu pandemic plan out the window and then started just going towards this this made up who chinese plan mm. um and that and that was that happened almost overnight right and chris witty stopped saying the the thing that chris witty said at the beginning was correct quite a lot of people might 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 get this and have really no negative 
significant negative consequences, but a few people will get really ill, but not many. And they'll probably be the most vulnerable in society. That was correct. But then suddenly he just abandoned that and then started telling everybody to wear masks and being a twat, right? Mm. So, so it, and even under those circumstances, it was still a complete, absolute fuck up, right? Now, all of the things that we fucked up, which was like hugging grandmas wrapped in plastic and God knows what else, stupid stuff, Stick putting stickers on the floor to make you walk a certain direction in a supermarket yeah but it's like it's you, you have to be mentally retarded to believe that that has any meaning or effect but yeah but look, look, look at those programs that did that and look how seamlessly they've shifted from that to ukraine and to israel right that that's where i look at, at these nudge units and the psychological operations there and it it was well again it, it's impressive in its ability to move large populations in particular directions just through uh, still sort of legacy legacy type media and um the the thing that bothers me is is that well if you've if you've got the power to push it in that direction you you could certainly do something more coherent you could probably just do hands-off approach and things would probably settle down and um find a rhythm by itself but no there's these these quasi military private organizations uh at the bleeding edge of moving moving and manipulating the the, the minds of the mass populace and I, i've I know, like I've sort of sat in disbelief in the last four years as I watched all that unfurl, and it was it was the Ukraine switching that really sort of was stark to me, and where you had you had really weird juxtapositions, right? Where you had the where they'd gone to such extreme lengths to beat out the idea of nationalism in the European sense or in, in the UK sense. And then we're literally pouring money in to, to, to literal Nazis, right? Banderite Nazis. And look, man, I've said, I don't care what they do in Ukraine. They can goose step and do what the fuck they like. I don't care. It's not my, if that's their thing, that's, uh, that's up to them. But the, the way that they manage to control and manipulate populations who one day would have been well they they would have had a pride flag and some you know some stupid icons on their twitter page and um and then you've got the you've got the ukraine flag and it it wasn't hard information to see um what what you were really funding and what was really being funded in that region and the people just swallowed it down, man, and nary blinked. And even even with Israel, the control on the population—we're talking about it—but is it? And you know, the Islamic world is um, taking notice of it. But that their ability to turn up and turn down information feeds to maintain this 
I don't know the 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 mass of uh, well the I don't want to say majority, but uh, enough that it keeps the system going along. So it makes it makes me wonder: just are they sort of confident in being able to um, fine tune the collapse situation? Right? Are, are, they, are they so confident in their um, abilities that they that they would think about initiating something like along those lines right to, so because they've got to be able to do it long enough to get to the point where you were talking about where the incapacitation becomes such that suddenly that the population is no longer a threat to anything that's sort of pertaining to power at that point and yeah, but also you can achieve that in a way. In a, there's a secondary uh, um, way that you can have a same disarm people, and it's by completely misdirecting their energy. So mm. if you are the ruling power elite and you can divorce yourself from, remove yourself from the access to the public, right? Mm. Then basically, as society collapses, the public will just turn on itself. Absolutely yeah. guaranteed. Right, mm, mm, mm. and once that happens, that is the exact embodiment of divide and conquer writ large in in flesh, right? Mm. And as soon as that happens, you just walk off and wait for people to kill each other, yeah, right? Yeah. And as they do that, then you come back three months later and go, yeah, great, that's another twenty percent down, right? Mm. And then you and then and then they're all knackered now, and then you come back in and and put more, you know, you 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 do some you do something. That basically gets them back in the houses because they'll probably be start to be starving to death as well. I mean, remember that food is a big part of this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as you point out, imagine imagine that you've set inside set up about policies that close reduce the amount of food that's being produced, and you raise the price of all food, right, and energy. Then basically, people have got more to worry about than than coming after you, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll only come after you when they've got nothing else to lose, right? So your game is to just manage supply, right? Is to just is to just basically give them this choice. Today you can either choose to hunt me or you can choose to hunt some food for you and your family mm. who are still able to be kept alive. And the and the, the problem with the casualty is, right? If you if you've got family men, if you if you're fighting a war and you've got six men who are injured. That's twenty men involved in in looking after those six, right? Mm. Pulling them out, shipping them somewhere, and then and then trying to stabilize them. But if you've killed six men, the fourteen just keep fighting, right? Yeah. And they worry about the bodies later. So you translate that into a family, right? If you've got two di- if you've got two sick kids, right? They're not dead yet, and you know that they're going to die. You're still going to try and feed them, right? So, so basically, your energy still gets consumed by by that, and then mm. you don't hunt politicians. Mm. So you've got all of these dynamics. That I mean, you know, I'm, I, this is all theorizing, right? Sure, but it it does apply in 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 worlds that where you're going. Why haven't they had a revolution yet, right? And then when you work out when they yet have the revolution, they've been living through awful conditions for decades, like Ceausescu's Romania, mm. you know. Uh, they they only went after him right after after 20 plus years of economic policies which were pure madness which is where they were saying 
So Ceausescu and his idiot wife basically created policies like saying anyone who's any woman who's hits the age of 18 must have three kids, right? And be seen to be progressing towards having three kids. Why? Because the economic output of this country is directly tied to the number of its population, which is not actually technically true, right? Depending upon what you're doing in your economy. Mm -mm -mm. But that was his policy. And then he lowered the age to 16 and increased the number of kids to five, right? But meanwhile, (laughs) yeah. Meanwhile, the the, the actual economy generally was collapsing, right? Mm. And, um, And so... As that collapse really took place, all of these people with these babies couldn't afford to have them, right? Mm. Which is where the phenomenon of remaining orphanages started yeah, to come I, from. Yeah, because I remember that, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so they were starting to be abandoned. And and was, people put up with that for a significant period of time before they revolted and then shot him in the head. Shot Ceausescu and his wife in the head, right? Mm. But they've been putting up with it for decades. So, so the point at which people go mad, right, is is hard to predict. And I, I, I believe that Britain is one of the places which will endure disproportionately large amounts of shit. Mm. I reckon that you would find that, that in the in the wash up, Britain is 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 one of the most chock full of good Nazi countries in the world, mm. from what I've seen. People are just not willing to stand up and fight. Mm. for anything they're, they're, they're locked up in selfishness individualism they're fully contained by materialism and debt control okay and the amount of selfishness i've seen in it, it since covid kicked off is just sort of destroyed large amounts of my faith in human society mm. right there's just a huge amount of selfish people um because of the way that they behave and what they are will and won't will and won't tolerate, right? And what 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 they do, and it's taken four years for people to sort of like start to move on a spe- on a spectrum, and even then, it's not taking it. They're not doing action, so it's still this grossly asymmetric system where only a tiny, tiny number of people who are know the score and and will work out how to act act, mm. and and all of the things that gets fixed will not be fixed by the majority. They will only be fixed by a tiny minority who have found the brick in the wall and they've managed to pull it out and they've pulled the wall down. The The majority of the people who are just... The other majority of people are selfishly pursuing their own interests, even if that means that they are actually walking off a cliff. Mm. And, and COVID proves that perfectly. It, there is no... There's no ambiguity to this, Right. 65 to 80% of people have injected themselves with poison and then they told other people to inject themselves with poison and they injected their children with poison Mm -hmm. and then they also turned around to the people who hadn't injected themselves with poison and castigated them for not injecting themselves with poison. Mm. There's the very definition of the best kind of Nazi you could possibly want, right? Mm. And and Britain, Britain did it all without a real mandate. So you can look at Australia and go, fuck me. Australia did 99% dosing, but mm. they had psychopaths telling them, I will ruin your life if you do not get on board with this mandate. And the same in Canada and mm. partially spread through bits of the US. Right? Mm. Britain didn't have any of that. It, it literally had none of it. Right? All Britain had was the idea that maybe things might get worse 
That's literally all Britain had. It just had a, pro a, a, a fictional idea that if you didn't do what we were implying you should do, mm. then maybe you're going to have to do it in the end. That's it. And under that level of actually no pressure, 80 odd percent of people poisoned themselves. Mm. Yep. That's the definition of idiocy. Well, that's that meritocracy kicking in. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, you've earmarked yourself, right? Mm. And this is the problem is that when you get to this level of critique, right, cruel critique, this is where the IQ test becomes eugenics, right? Because you then suddenly have no empathy for people and just go, fuck it, if you did it to yourself, if you walked off a cliff, why should you not die at the bottom of it, right? Mm -hmm. You did it to yourself. And the problem with the, the real problem with that is that you essentially are admitting to yourself you've lost empathy for the human race. And as soon as you go down that road, you're into misanthropy and all sorts of dangerous nihilistic sort of mm. ways of viewing the world, which is really fucking destructive. That's yeah. the sad bit about. Mm. Yeah. And look, you know, part of what's sort of, um, you know, keeping myself together is just going back into the lab and just, I just got to try stuff. I got to answer these questions that, that the science has thrown up. And it's, if there are ways to slow it down, um, that's, that's the most useful thing that I can think of with respect to my time, my work time. And, mm. um, you know, I, I I like doing this, the the streaming and the you know, there's a cool community that sort of watches and um that the, there are people that are generally interested in what what this all means, right? And the people are, are thirsty for um the 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 conversations that are needed to explore these you know potentially very dark um potentialities that that we're looking at and you know the again you get back to this um that how do you how do you mass control these people post the post the exposure and what have you and the it's going to be the 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 hudson the hudson principle nothing nothing's real and um then I, I, I'm not sure how you deal with that that population. That 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 population almost becomes um, dangerous because it's the very definition of living a fictive reality that's just gonna um, it's gonna implode on itself, right? Whereas if you're taking a, a sort of sit back and um, watch and be wary for you know drastic changes you might you might just have that you know split second of evolutionary advantageous time to um get to a better position but look a lot of a lot of that's just going to come down to um wealth right who has who has the ability to materially move themselves out of um high risk environments Urban environments are likely to be bad places to be. 
you can't that, that that the way we've structured our cities and industries it's all just on time deliveries and you know if 60% of the city population is in apartments they don't have <laughs> two years worth of supplies right stacked in the um yeah. and so you know i'm 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 still too close to civilization for my liking if i if i have the means i would um i'd be another 30 40 kilometers north of where i am now right in the mountains <laughs> just <laughs> I want to see anyone, dude. Not till uh, not till you've passed uh, the pre-on check. I'm gonna, gonna, and then you know, there's the there's the whole thing of um, you don't want to like. I have to. I've got kids, right? So you, it, I don't want this sort of bleeding out into um, their lives, right? So you know, I don't talk about this. You know, well, they'll they'll come in and what have you, and I'm I'm. I don't think they really follow um, much of what I'm doing. But um, you still have to live that life as well, right? I think I think that's important because if you think about from an evolutionary standpoint, it's, it's that, um, I want to say it's effort, uh, but it's that um, human drive to to raise children and to is is a is something to cling to this is this is why i've sort of taken this approach with um you know you you can get on the internet and you can have lots of contentious um you know back and forth about religions and and which one's doing what etc and um i'm sort of at the point now where i'm like look you it's probably better just to believing in something right now um if if it provides some some means of um well i say tolerating tolerating like are the people in gaza tolerating what's being done i don't think that's quite the right um turn of phrase but when when the pressure is the environmental pressure is becomes really great um, I think those sort of ingrained human traits that they've tried very actively to dismantle, I would argue. Um, I think I think they'll become very important. Right? You lose the internet, and you lose. You know, you get to that point. What 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 do you 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 just gonna still look for like some sort of ordering principle, right? And depending on where you've been brought up in the globe, that's going to revolve culturally around you know, what your grandparents' religious predilections were, very likely. Yeah. And that could be, uh, well, big shock for many. <laughs> just, the internet going out, dude, people just lose their fucking minds. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, because yes, then we'd start start having to pay attention to their own to their own brain and their own company. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, 
<laughs> like my life is pretty solitary, right? Because like I'm in a foreign country, and you know my human interaction is my kids and wife. I don't see I don't see other people, and if I'm speaking to them, it's like you know this is speaking to you is like oh it's the first time I've been able to sort of have a um, human conversation or adult conversation, um, you know about these topics, which are you know. Uh, take up a lot of my my time, but um, I, you know, I'm so, I'm just saying to people right now is that you know that I don't know if you've been paying attention to the streams I've done, but there's this principle of super prion events in the scientific literature. Have you have you heard me? I'm talk not about sure. I've followed that. So okay, so they think that there's been right so they can it's essentially a discipline called archaeogenomics right so you can look at the polymorphisms that people have in their prion protein and because of the particular dominant strain that exists generally across eurasian continent not japan but eurasian african that they think that there was a mass or a super prion event that caused a bottleneck where just that polymorphism was the adaptive one to get through and seed the population that we have now that has this um, yeah. codon at, at this 129 position in the, in the protein. And so that Again, the, the group that's putting this work out, it's a Swedish group, um, Hammerstrom is the lab. Um, you know, they were talking about this 10, 15 years ago. And so that, that tells me that, that that knowledge has probably been incorporated. I know that we know that they've been trying to weaponize prions for a long time, right? So, um, What's his name? G G I can't pronounce it. Jurdek, Jizadek, I think you pronounce it. Um, he's the guy that essentially categorized um, Kuru in uh, Papua New mm. Guinea. And what did he end up doing? Straight to Fort Dietrich to spend his life studying prions. Apparently, he was a right degenerate pedo as well, from what I hear. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that was back in the sixties that they were. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's just got the classic MK Ultra pathway all over it, isn't it? Mm. Find something nasty or weird, and then work out how nasty and weird you can even make it, push it. Yep. Which is, you know, the whole Stanley Gottlieb MK Ultra psychedelics and everything else that they did through for, for decades. Mm. I mean, literally, that was 30, that was a thirty-plus year program, and it's not stopped. So that doesn't surprise me at all, at mm. all. Mm. And you know this, and this this is my sort of major concern that the weaponization programs have, like, as I was explaining to you earlier, right? What they tried to do is you, you find a pathogen, you break it down to its smallest components, and you find exactly what that contributes to the symptom expression of the disease you're studying and it's like i say the the fact that 
this prion catalyzing epitope in SARS, there's no analog close to it in any of the public databases. Completely mm. novel. And that to me is suspicious, right? And in my mind, points to something synthetic in this instance. And, you know, the how many people on who think about who think about the possibilities of you know you can watch Alex Jones and he just harps on every day about oh they're going to trying to reduce the population it's all the UN right it's it's not like it's a um, uncommon topic of discussion but how many have thought about what would be what what would be a realistic mechanism of doing that and yeah you can think you know, pathogens of one form or another. But the only pathogen that has this cascading and increasingly infective property and this heterogeneous disease expression is prions. And they've been looking at that since the 60s. Mm. There's some, uh, but people people should be very very suspect right now. Do not trust anything till till there's an answer to that question. <clears throat> and there's no motivation for the institutes to answer that question because the simple fact is it should have been known and looked for. It's not like amyloids weren't a sort of known problem around you know, degenerative conditions you know the the you know prior prior to covid my my money had always been sort of herpes and epstein like viruses as the, the sort of causes for the parkinsons and what have you and um you know since covid i've had to sp spend a lot more time looking at that data and um you know there's there's a whole suite of pathogens which contain these particular protein misfolding epitopes but but they target different proteins and, that, and there's only now that now there's two h1n1 as i told you earlier and sars-cov2 which have this prion catalyzing property we don't know the protein in influenza that does it in h1n1 they just know that influenza can have can cause the conversion but they know for sure that the spike protein catalyzes prion and you're gonna have to work real real hard to convince me that they haven't been looking deeply into that as a Weapons platform. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, this kind of comes back to the original topic, which is gain of function efficacy, because <clears throat> Nick's argument is so poorly formed linguistically 
that he doesn't deal with the idea that um, it's possible theoretically that somebody's accidentally fucked up and made something that is you know amyloidogenic in this way mm. but if they even if they've done it accidentally that gain of function has had an effect therefore mm. it's efficacious in doing this thing that would not otherwise have occurred through natural selection mm. over any reasonably sensible period of time given all of the myriad complexity pathways that could have happened in which a competing anti-force would have taken effect to suppress such a development, right, as well. Because, I mean, it doesn't the, the complexity in the system is not just pro and outcome, it's anti and everything else in between, right? Mm, mm. Nick's argument doesn't go anywhere near any of this, mm. right? He just says it can't happen because too, humans are dumb. And yeah, too complex. Right? No, no. Which is just utterly stupid, right? It just mm. is just utterly stupid. Mm. It just and the thing is, it doesn't take a genius to 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 deal with this level of ambiguity, right? To tolerate this level of ambiguity. It's like I don't think this is right because there are many possibilities. So let's not rule anything out. Mm. And he's just going, no, let's rule this out because uh, mm. stupid, right? Mm. This is this is not this is not. Um, it doesn't make sense, right? And mm. To me, anyway, and 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 yeah, I, I mean, and then this is why hard results. I mean, has he has he ever? Just an obvious question is, has he has he accepted that your the prion issue? Does he does he recognise that that's no. a real outcome? No, no, it's too deep for them. They don't. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's part of maybe that's part one of the things that he needs to be people people need to be pressing. I mean, me yeah, that people should be pressing at him and saying, look, here's all the evidence that the amyloid stuff actually mm. is happening, and 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 you know, and force him to sort of acknowledge it, mm. right. perhaps. But um, but at the same time, I would also argue that if he's serving no useful function anymore, then how much time do you want to waste on him? Yeah, that's, 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 that's the issue, right? It's just, you know, the, the problem is, is that somehow um, the rancor and this, they've, they've managed to, like I say, be signal boosted with nonsense when the, like I say, any, any and all resources should be poured directly into answering um, how much, how much exposure has happened and what is the well the lead time i guess and like i say the fact the fact that we're seeing sustained excess deaths in the young there's only a few ways you can kill the young right it's it, something catastrophic cardiac wise circulatory wise or aggressive cancers um the the brain rot usually takes time there there are like i say we've seen the signals for aggressive kreutzfeldt that's something that uh, luc montagnier and jean-claude perez and uh marie uh, i've got her last name but i'm um, sorry marie um 
the so we've seen that 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 signals there right so from going from one case per year in france they got a cluster of 24 25 um and within 11 days of vaccine exposure they were dead of uh, Kreutzfeld. um and so that signal was there now now the question is is how much and how how is it percolating through all these complex um organ systems and um it seems that cardiovascular so you know what what comprised all the the excess all-cause mortality in the last few years so it was like the the old got wiped out with dementia type disorders so that was really high circulatory cardiac issues was sort of leading it actually because if, if you added the different types of cardiac issues um that was the next and uh, pneumonias was a, a tiny fraction of of the deaths so you know what whatever whatever the actual driving force behind those deaths they're, they're still dead and um where, where there's a trail of dead people there's a, a long trail of people who are injured and incapacitated and that's something that oh what's his the, the insurance guy what's his name is it Ed, Ed Dowd Ed Dowd, or, Ed, um... Ed Dowd yeah and you know that we're seeing and th this was just a tweet from last week from the ONS the UK is at its highest ever data point for people out of work because of long-term illness so there are there are all these signals there if you look for them and again the the issue is is that that should be your healthiest, well, I say healthiest, productive population, right? The working family, um, you know, the, the, as much as I treasure the elderly and their wisdom, what have you, um, it's the it's the younger end of the spectrum that sort of drives and keeps things moving, right? And there's there's the signal there excess death and increasing levels of morbidity and let's say irrespective of whether it came from the virus or the the vaccine that's there now and <laughs> that's uh, that's that step you know the first rumblings of the avalanche as things things begin to cascade and you know the the births are the thing to watch, and Sweden's got fifty percent drop in births. I've never heard of anything like that in a country. But and and I mean I haven't checked Sweden's press for a very long time. But I mean, is it even being publicised? No, not really. You have you have to dig for it to find the the figures. But yeah, fifty percent drop. It dropped in 2022, about 
and now it's dropped 50%. From like 60,000 births a year to 30. So, you know, that's that's not a normal signal, right? That's not that that's well outside your um standard deviation, standard error that you would expect. <laughs> and I don't know, like how many countries does that have to happen to? Like Korea and Japan was having declining populations anyway. And it wouldn't I don't think it would take much to um sort of cause an implosion here in that respect. And Japan vaxxed heavily, still is, which is one of the few countries that is still still vaccinating. Mm. <clears throat> anyway, I gotta take a piss, dude. <laughs> but, um, no worries, mate. Yeah, I'm pretty talked out, so uh, I'm gonna take a leave of absence. Mm. Cheers, Kevin. Appreciate being able to sort of go through this with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same, dude. I just appreciate your input. And um, yeah, just in closing, look, the, the Panda Group and Hudson are basically just spinning bullshit. Um, there, well, I think you're correct. It's just it's not worth much time engaging with them because it's it's a nonsense machine. So, hi, bro. Um, I'll hang this up. You take care. And, uh, Cheers, dude. You too. Yeah. And uh, get well soon. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. All right, folks. Uh, there you go. Um, long stream. Let me just see if anyone is not the... Uh, <laughs> I had a funny clip today. Um, I'll play it. I'll play it tomorrow. I've got I've got a pre on stream that I want to do about species barrier, but um let me see. Um you were all you were all K two six Rs. How dare you? <laughs> that was an awesome stream. No, I've won penny. All right. Uh I am out of here. It's Friday as well. <laughs> no no Mackie D's for uh, Simon today. All right, I'm out of here. Take care. God bless. And um, we'll be back. We'll be back with um, species barriers. So um, maybe later today. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these papers. I will fucking kill each fucking kappa, I swear <laughs> This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually saying. Fuck these kappas. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking praying for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage. Motherfuckers. All that five. Like this guy. Send 45,000 confirmed deaths in one of the. Let up! 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 Let up